Welcome to the Jet Jump Seat. My name is Mike, and I will be your host. We are here with episode three, and a special welcome for our guest. I will let him introduce himself. Go ahead, sir. Good evening, Mike. My name is Zach Mercer. I was a jet with you for a number of years in good old Ibaraki Ken. Yes, welcome, Zach. How you doing, my friend? Well, man, it's been it's been too long. Uh, we we've I think we've kind of crossed each other a couple times in the night through some some kendo stuff over the past number of years. But uh, this is the first time I'm seeing you in a long time, and it's great to see you. Great to yes. hear you as well. It's great to see you too, my friend. So you were in Ibaraki. Which city were you in? Which school did you teach at? What okay. level? And how long were you in Jet? So I was a Jet for three years, uh, and I taught at the senior high school level at three different schools, um, two mountain schools, uh, both of which I believe have closed at this point in time, and uh, one relatively se- uh, high-level senior high school in Hitachi Ota, so Ota first uh, senior high school. And uh, yeah, absolutely a wonderful three years for me. I, I know you stayed the full stretch, but uh, I came home and, and did things a little bit differently. Fantastic. Yeah, I, I did the full tour. Really enjoyed my experiences. And, you know, I was in Koga on the west side. So I was the hermit in the west. <laughs> you were, yeah. I think we only got out to you maybe two or three times <laughs> yeah. in the entire couple of years we overlapped. That was uh, that was quite the stretch. And we, I think uh, there was no east-west line over for me. I would have to have gone mm-hmm. into Mito and then back up and over to Koga to see you. And yeah, you're kind of uh, going going up <laughs> over or down to Tokyo and kind of over to Koga. So not very accessible, unfortunately, for me. I've heard that now the jets have expanded. There's like three jets in Koga. So it makes more sense. There's a lot of schools there. Good for them. Yeah, yep. So but for Zach, me, it was... Go ahead. Sorry. Well, for for me, it was a perfect sized town. I only had about you know 30,000 people in, in Hitachi Ota. Uh, I asked to be put close to the sticks and that's exactly where they put me cool. so kind of on on that kind of lip of the japanese map where the, the forest starts and the urban area cuts off uh, so for me it was absolutely ideal kogo was pretty much the same wasn't it it was yeah. um, a little bit off the beaten path but it was still you know, a, a proper place with uh, all, all the amenities that you could want just uh maybe not as, as centrally located as you might like. Is that correct? Uh, it, it was pretty good. I mean, we were on a JR line, so Tokyo is very accessible. I was lucky in that respect, especially martial arts-wise, which we'll get into that. So I was very lucky in that respect. I could hop a train, be in Shinjuku in a, in a good 45, 50 minutes. So it wasn't too bad. You know, coming out to the west side in Mito, which is the capital of Ibaraki, it was kind of... It was tough for me. So I did a, a few martial arts things there and we did some Shi'ai and tournaments and things, but I really didn't make it out there, unfortunately, too much. More time in Tokyo. Well, I, I spent very little time in Tokyo uh, and and a lot more time in Mito and, and a lot more time just exploring in general. Um, but uh, I, yeah, it was uh, <laughs> a, a great place for me. And uh, every time I go back, I like to visit, uh, check in with some of the uh, the teachers that I used to work with and, and some of the old haunts as well. It's always a real pleasure. It's fantastic. So you actually requ- like you requested to come to a, a rural school, correct? Yeah. So uh, actually, Ibaraki was my, my first choice. So I, oh, wow. I chose uh, Ibaraki-ken, uh, Mie and Okinawa, and I figured if I got Okinawa, I would have been in one of the Ryukyu Islands, just you know, way down south in the middle of nowhere, having a <laughs> very unique experience. Um, 
if I went in Mie, it, it just kind of stood out as this very picturesque place. Uh, and uh, all of my previous um, martial arts instructors actually came, or, or the, the lineage was through Ibaraki. So wow. that was the, the first choice for me. And uh, funny enough, I got to practice with one of the fellows who was uh, kind of dojo mates with the, the person who was my instructor's instructor. So cool it was a, a small world experience there but he only told me that after about three years of being at that dojo with him so uh, that was uh one of those jaw-dropping moments like it's oh like, you by the way i was your teacher's teacher like what like that's crazy well he wasn't my teacher's teacher but but oh. he had visited my teacher's teacher in Canada, uh, in, in in Sudbury, Ontario, which is not a metropolis by any stretch of the imagination. Uh, it's a, a mining city uh, in the mid-north of Ontario, um, okay. about 100,000 people. And of those 100,000 people, you know, there's, we'll say, a dozen or so that, that do kendo. So that the fact that there was so many high-level sensei through Sudbury, Ontario, of all places, um, was quite the interesting connection to make in Ibaraki yeah. 20 years later. So uh, how far are you from Toronto in relation to where you live? Currently, um, mm-hmm. about five, six hour drive. Oh, wow. Okay. So oh, no, 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 no. Oh, maybe, maybe no, sorry. I, I'm used to going to, uh, to Waterloo. So it's uh, probably only four and a half to five hours between Ottawa and okay. uh, Ottawa and Toronto. But frankly, it's been so long since I've made the drive. It's yeah. a little fuzzy. No um, worries. No worries. Interesting. Okay. So I'm in Rochester and that's a good, I'm guessing four hour drive somewhere around there for me. So there's a great little Japanese community center in Toronto and was able to do some kendo and judo over there. Yeah. It's a fantastic group of folks that run that yeah. particular club, some really high level folks. Uh, and t- Toronto is just a wonderful space uh, for, for kendo in particular. I, I can't speak to judo. It's not, uh, it's not what I do, um, mm-hmm. but I, I know it's one of your passions, but for, yeah. for kendo, there's just uh, a, a wonderful saturation of opportunity. Uh, there's just some, some wonderfully high level people there. A lot of the team Canada uh, participants, uh, current and alumni are based in the Toronto area. So if you're looking for high level practice, uh, it's, it's a good spot to be. It's a place to go. Cool. So we'll, we'll, we'll start off maybe chat a little bit about jet. Uh, so you like, how did you get into jet? Like what brought you to jet? Uh, I, I want to say it's probably the martial arts. Um, okay. I, I play kendo. I played kendo since uh, my first year university. So that's, we'll say approximately 19 years ago. Um, I like to say pre-Google uh, because yeah. apparently Kendo existed in, in Sudbury, my, my city, for a few years prior to me getting into university, uh, maybe 10 or 15, but I couldn't for the life of it find uh, any of it. And then there there were a few people at the, the university club day in my first few weeks at the school, and uh, they were wearing Bogu, and I said, oh, well, there you are. I'm, I'm, I'll sign up right now. And wow. uh, I, I've, I've not stopped ever since. Um, and I, I guess uh, nearing my, my final years uh, in, in university, I was very interested in kendo still, very interested in training in Japan. And I thought that that would be a wonderful way to go work and experience and learn. And I was quite fortunate that I had some 
pretty significant teaching and public presentation experience under my belt at that point in time through some different uh, work opportunities that I had, that I had, had as a student. Um, so I was quite competent with the educational aspect, and and then I got my ass absolutely whipped when it came to the kendo aspect. So that was uh, a, a real pleasure all the way through. So I made the application just like everyone else. Uh, for that summer, I was running a youth employment office uh, in North Bay for Service on uh, sorry Service Canada. Uh, which I think has changed names to uh, ESDC Employment Social Development Canada. Uh, so I was helping helping folks find jobs in North Bay, uh, and all I remember of that summer really is just clicking refresh on my email time after time after time, waiting for any bit of information that might come through or any connection from the uh, the selection committee. And uh, I remember it being absolutely nerve-wracking just waiting for that opportunity to happen. I, I spent every waking moment on any forum that existed at, at that time. And I, I'm sure it's a completely different ballgame at this point in time. But uh, yeah. back in that day, I'm, I'm sure there was a an AJET forum or something along those lines that was publicly accessible. And uh, there was, of course, the newbie room, and I <laughs> tried to absorb as much uh, information as humanly possible. And, and same thing, once I found out that I was heading off to Ibaraki, I, I joined the Ibaraki Association of JET group, and again, just tried to find out about everything and anything that I could at the time, just, again, hitting refresh as often as possible, trying to absorb info and uh, try to get over the the, uh, the culture shock ahead of time, planning, preparing, learning. Um, I probably studied more Japanese in that few months in between than I have before or after or since, uh, but I, I have to say that my, my Japanese was, was absolutely terrible uh, throughout my entire time there. Um, and, and it's probably much, much better now because I, I use it with my kids every day. It's still quite poor, I'll say, uh, but at least it's uh, comfortably poor. That's fantastic. So for my experiences, yeah, I, I kind of was the same way. I was really excited about Jet. The, the economy was crashing in 2009 in the U.S. with the housing market. And I was looking for an adventure. A lot of my friends, I went through graduate school for teaching and graduated a smaller college here in Rochester. It's called Nazareth College and a good college. Gave me a very strong base in, in teaching and completed all my student teaching and stuff and was just kind of inspired by martial arts to try to go to Japan. And good friend of mine in college kind of tuned me into the JET program. She said, hey, JET, you know, I had a JET English teacher in my high school. You should try to go do that because, you know, it looks like you're passionate and and, and kind of want to experience Japanese culture. So I went up to New York City for my interview and everything. And I had not been in New York City that many times before going. So it was, it was a little bit of a shock to me, but, you know, I was nervous and I went through the whole interview and they must have saw something cool in me and said, you know, this guy, <laughs> this guy will be successful. We want him. And, you know, I sat home for a couple of weeks of tapping my mouse to refresh my email and hoping that I got that, you know, congratulations. And I did. I got a giant pack in the mail after that. And, you know, I was on a plane to Japan faster than I thought I would be. <laughs> Hap um, happens quick when it does that's true how'd you find I, your interview experience you, you mentioned the city being a little bit overwhelming but uh yeah. how was the interview itself 
the interview was pretty good. Uh, I had a former Jet in my interview group. There were, I believe it was three people. So I think someone from the embassy, two, or maybe it was two people from the embassy and one who was a Jet, if I remember correctly. And basically they went through my interview packet, my essay, uh, kind of asked questions about that and stuff. Uh, I had actually applied to Jet before and was rejected. So... Oh. They were curious about that. Why did you reapply? And they must have liked my answers. I, I can't really remember a lot about it. I think they asked me to speak Japanese to them. <laughs> and I think they actually, now that I think about it, were like, oh, you do karate. Show us some karate or something. So I did, you know, some basic combination or something. Uh, and, and they liked that. Uh, I, I also had a teaching portion where I was given 20 minutes to come up with a lesson plan and they just, it was pretty vague. They were just like, do something cultural. And I had a whiteboard with a marker and basically that was it. They said, teach us something in English. I remember doing Halloween. So I did a very basic Halloween thing, you know, and that was it. And the interview is over. And it was one of those interviews that, Actually, it was like, man, I think I have a chance. So <laughs> it was a good feeling. Yeah, likewise to you, I had a, a panel of three interviews and I had to teach a test lesson. Um, but for me, it was uh, basically teach all the parts of a suit. You know, oh, tell, tell us okay. about clothing. There was no prep time. It was just here's what you're gonna, you know, what you're gonna present and. Uh, <laughs> Three, two, one, have fun, uh, and wow. and we, we did have have fun. Uh, it was uh, good to get up and move around and be energetic uh, in, in the interview. A lot less stuffy of an atmosphere than than a typical corporate interview. Uh, they, they did go through some of the the more typical stuff prior to that, but the interview, or sorry, I should say the the lesson was quite a lot of fun. So I got to get up and be energetic and be engaging as best as possible. Uh, but they <laughs> they immediately became, um, we'll say less enthusiastic high school students where they uh, caused classroom disruptions. Uh, they, they gave me a lot of, you know, blank looks with walk on that. So, you know, they, they, they threw, or they tried to throw some curveballs, and they wanted to see how you'd react. And uh, as long as you keep that smile in your face and keep on plodding forward in a positive manner, I think that's what they were really after. And, and trying to demonstrate that you're making a connection with the students, uh, even if the lesson plan's not quite, not quite landing, uh, that's that's great. Plus, I think I, I probably said something about you know pants, and then they started going pantsu pantsu, and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah, that that was a a little cultural moment that uh, I wasn't aware of until a little bit later. It's funny. Yeah, me too. Yep. There, there were a lot of cultural moments there and learning experiences like that. And for anybody who happens to be listening, pants can be underwear. <laughs> but to us American Canadians, they are your trousers, right? So, Yes, sir. Fun. But it went uh, well. Um, mine, mine was on U of T campus. So while I've spent a fair amount of time in U, in, in Toronto, uh, uh, U of T was not something or, or somewhere that I had spent a lot of time with. So it's a beautiful campus, and it was a really wonderful opportunity to go and explore. Um, but I, I, I do remember, you know, every, everything about Japan and Jet is be on time, be early, be on time, be early. Um, and, and I think I was probably ridiculously early. 
uh, to the point of, of sitting in that uh, waiting room for far too long uh, prior to my time. Which is good, though, because I think I did get lost um, trying to find where it actually was. Uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's good. good advice still. Better to be early and uh, let your nerves run out in the room uh, as opposed to trying to show up late. And uh, I, I think um, a, a couple of your previous guests have, have mentioned some very casual wear, and uh, I'll, I'll stick with your line of wear a suit. Um, please. Wear a suit, please, please, please. Uh, so I, I was very, very fortunate. I got uh, accepted in my, my one and only round of applications. So I I, I made my application and, and got the offer that year. Um, and when it comes to professionalism, comportment, and recruitment in general, uh, you have to put yourself in the shoes of the Japanese consulate individuals, uh, and they are looking for people who will do a good job in representing your country and, and doing what the JET program is designed to do, and that's promote grassroots internationalization. And if you're showing up in sandals and a straw hat, well, that's that's not the level of professionalism that they want, and that's not the level of cultural outreach and ambassadorship that they're aiming for. So yeah. show up in a suit. Uh, it's an interview. Um, and and I, I work in recruitment and, and uh, career advising right now. And I work with a lot of tech students. And some of them will show up in a hoodie. But uh, I, I still push anyone and everyone I can, please, you know, dress for the role that you're looking for five years from now. Uh, and when you're a teacher, and particularly a teacher in Japan, unless it's cool biz, uh, you're wearing a suit. That's right. Yeah. Other other funny story. I didn't know about cool biz. Uh, cool oh, biz was okay. not in my vocabulary. So on the first day of, of school in Japan, mid-August, you know, mm. uh, what, like 38 degrees. So uh, what, what's, what's 38 degrees in freedom units? Like 100 104, 103. Yeah, it's damn hot. <laughs> da- damn, damn hot. hot. And, hot as hell. And, 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 and darn humid as well. Mm. Right? It's uh, hot and humid. And, and there I am walking to school in, in my full suits. Uh, you know, by the time I'm three feet out my door, I'm already drenched. And I get to the cultural sensei's office first thing, bow in, and he's just looking at me, and I'm dripping. Oh. And he. <laughs> He tries to calm me down a little bit. Says, don't don't worry. Uh, so the first thing I do, of course, uh, those of you who have not been initiated yet, a lot of doorways in older buildings in Japan are not full human sized. We'll say they're around the five ten mark. And and being a six foot three tall human being myself, I walked one step in, bowed, and immediately smashed my head on the way back up from the bow. So between that and wearing a suit. Yeah, well, I, <laughs> I I set a set a good foot forward. At least I was going to do my best to make a, a good impression and a good try of it, even if I was <laughs> going to whack my head a few times. Oh, I both of those things happened to me too, man. So you're oh, not yeah. alone. I I was wearing a suit and riding my bike to school. So I was like, ah, I'll just ride my bike to school, right? Mm-hmm. And the weather was not quite that hot when I was there, but it got super hot the day I decided to ride my bike to school. And not only that, so I made it to the school and I was drenched and it was horrible. So luckily they 
they gave us polos for our school. So I, I had a polo to where they gave me one. They happened. It was a bit small. It was like a large, I think. To me. <laughs> so, but I, you know, I was taking it. It was better than being disgusting. And they were like, you know, just wear it. It'll be fine. And the next day, you know, you can wear a polo. It's, it's no problem. Cool biz. And unfortunately for me that day, I rode back home and got drenched with a giant thunderstorm. So ah. like a double whammy. You got to love got that. You. Yeah, coming and going. There we go. Yeah, coming and going. As far as banging my head, <laughs> I think I still have a mark here or something. Uh, <laughs> like my first apartment, the, the archways were very low. Mm-hmm. And they were definitely made for like a 5'8 to 5'5". Five, five japanese person <laughs> mm-hmm. and i am six foot so at night for the first month i think i ran into that archway at least three or four times and oh, yeah. probably nearly knocked myself out so <laughs> I'm, I'm sure i'm sure if we looked carefully here yeah we'd probably still find yep. some divots in both of our foreheads it's yep. uh, not a space that's architecturally welcoming to those over six foot that's definitely but beyond not. that but we survived. We survived, right? We survived, and, and I guess I was hitting the head frequently enough that you know it's still some of the best years of my life in retrospect. So. Yeah, it was. Just, it was just preparation for Kendo, right? Kendo. Japan. That's the one. That's the one. Yeah, I still get hit in the head for fun. So that... <laughs> I know, right? People think I'm crazy. They're like, "What? That's what you do for fun?" It's like, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Well, I, I, I had a. Uh, a, a good uh, a good line thro- thrown out by one of the uh, the folks in the Toronto area, uh, who's an ex Team Canada member as well. He said the wonderful thing about kendo is, is that you can you can go as hard as you want, you you can be as violent as you can be, but as long as you're doing correct kendo, everyone walks away happy, uh, because of course you know we're, we're aiming at padded areas, we're aiming at uh, areas that are designed to take the hit. And if you're doing a correct technique, uh, again, it's that snap instead of a baseball bat, then, you know, you're, you're in a good space and it's not going to hurt anyone. Yeah, that's, that's great advice. I like that. I'm going to use that. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, so for your kendo, did you earn Shodan before Japan? Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so uh, I, I earned uh, my, my Shodan in Toronto. Um or a year or two before going. I, I'm afraid I can't remember the timelines on grading there. Sorry, Mike. But uh, I do know that when I, I came uh, to, to the, the dojo at my high school, uh, the, the, uh, the, the overseer said, okay, well, you've, you've done Kendall, your showdown. Okay, great. Let's, let's check out a couple things. Uh, okay, showmen. Hajime. Oh, so a couple of showmen. Okay. Hayasubiri. Right, go. And good, good. Uh, your your uh, Nidan grading is in two weeks. Uh, here's when you sign up. Uh, here's what? the paperwork. Yeah. Wow. So that so that was the uh, the most straightforward grading that I've I've ever had. Interesting. Um, and uh, it was a, a wonderful boost of confidence to kind of come in and and just have folks uh, not only take you on and take you in but uh but but support you through that and, and really um push you towards towards grading towards shinza towards making sure that you're improving that you're advancing through the ranks and i i will admit shamefully uh that i have not graded since coming back okay. and that's uh of course the past two years have, have kind of been a, a moot point but uh um 
that's one of the things that uh, now that I have kids that I have starting in kendo, uh, that uh, grading is becoming very important and being, sh- being, or I should say, living up to the responsibilities of of making sure that I'm setting that example and pushing myself forward. I, I know I've developed technique, but I also know that I haven't concentrated in certain areas that I should be. Uh, so my kids are making sure that I sharpen that particular aspect and, and uh, I go for my yondang, godang in the years to come. That's great. So you, you actually played with your high school team, correct? Uh, so I, I was very fortunate that I was able to you know, spend most of my days uh, practicing with my high school team. I also had a couple of uh, community clubs, uh, practice circles that I was a part of. There was a, a couple of foreigners in the area in the area as well that, uh, that enjoyed kendo. And, you know, they're firm friends to this day, which is just wonderful. Um, and, and yeah, basically I, I had the opportunity to practice, you know, anywhere between five to seven days a week, uh, until your foot's until your feet started to bleed was <laughs> kind of how it, how it went. Sometimes it was a, a wonderful opportunity, uh, not something I'll I'll ever really have again because I again I have adult friends that are living in Japan now that play kendo and even some of the guys that are you know ex world kendo championship player level they still say you know one or two keiko a week just because. They're not. Uh, they're not playing at the high school or university level anymore. It's. It's not something that they can, that they can dedicate that time to with their own family responsibilities. Yeah, it's that's that's pretty cool that you got to train it in your high schools and and you had that availability also in the community, and something similar for me. I I taught at Kendo or I taught at Koga Third High School. I really have to thank you for introducing me to Kendo because I really didn't know much about Kendo prior to coming to Japan. And was that first little foreigner seminar thing that we did? Was that the first time you? You know, we'll say touch the shinai. Was that your yes. first experience? Yep. Holy so, shoot. Man. So, yeah. So I appreciate that. You know, we got together and did that mini seminar and I thought that was a lot of fun. I was, I was hoping to actually expand that to more jets, but it, I just didn't have the opportunity or, or time to be able to plan something like that. But, but it was cool that, you know, you came and you showed us the armor and showed us the sword and we got to put it on and uh, do a Manuchi and stuff. And that, that really inspired me to do Kendo. So thank you, sir. Well, what has your Kendo journey been looking like in the past? How long has it been? 11 years? Yeah. About 11 years since, since we last parted ways. Uh, what have you been up to? Man. So, you know, I went really hard in Kendo and I really enjoyed kendo. It was it was probably oh I would say like karate was one of my best martial arts. I've been doing it since I was ten years old, mm-hmm. so I had a lot of experience in that. For Shotokan, I earned a nidan in Shotokan, and and basically JK karate, uh, an offshoot of that. Then uh, I got into Kyokushin Kai Kan, which is a bit more hardcore, full contact. When I was in college. Yeah, I'm pretty and, sure. I'm pretty sure when you were in Japan, you used to have the Facebook profile picture of you axe kicking someone when you were doing <laughs> yeah. that. That that yeah. was like the the image of Mike Foki, just that, that one <laughs> that one axe kick. It was beautiful. Great technique on that one. So yeah. thanks, man. Um, so I ended up earning a showdown in that, and then going to Japan, and you know, and and the rest is history. You know, I, I trained super super hard in karate. Uh, my teacher in college, I also was doing judo, 
His name was Sachio Ashida, and he was the Olympic coach in oh. 1976. I believe it was the Montreal Olympics for the U.S. judo team. So I was very lucky to have him as a sensei. He was Japanese, and he was super old when I met him, but a great guy and, and a ball buster and someone just said how he felt. He didn't give a shit about what anyone else thought. Um, he also had Dan Ranks and Kendo. So, and he would talk a little bit about that. So that was kind of a little bit of an introduction to Kendo from him. When I went to Japan and then we did that mini seminar, that really kind of inspired me. Like I said, you know, I think I have enough time to be able to do another martial arts somewhere. So I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> I can fit it in. Um, and I looked at kudo first because and that's japanese archery so one of the teachers that sat down for me was like a fifth or sixth don and she was pretty young you know we were relatively the same age around 30 years old so she brought me to her dojo and i guess at the time you know i was like all right this is a cool dojo and then i found out that her teachers are like very high level in japan like top kudo people so somehow Ibaraki was just teaming with martial arts. We're very lucky to be there, right? Uh, absolutely, uh, and to, to, you know, not not to cut you off on the story, mm -hmm. but uh, at my principal school, um, uh, one of the instructors was also one of the top Jodo guys uh, in in the prob uh, in the prefecture. Wow! And at one of my mountain schools, the the young librarian uh, was one of the top Naginata players in the prefecture wow. as well. Uh, cool. so, you know, oh, wait, I, wait, was she, did she have black hair? <laughs> oh, Mike. Oh, Mike. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. That was a stupid joke, but made me laugh. <laughs> was she cute? Did she have black hair? She was short? Oh, Mike. <laughs> Come on, Mike. <laughs> I, I actually think, I mean, the Naginata community in Ibaraki is not huge. But Correct. if I remember correctly... When I went to Kokusai Budo Daigaku, International Martial Arts University, for a, did you ever do that seminar? Two it's years, like a yep. foreigner seminar. Okay. Yep. So I think that same Naginata teacher was there because I remember talking to her about Ibaraki and she was a librarian. No? Well, you know, I, I, I don't think you and I did the same two years. Uh, so per perhaps she did it later on. Okay. Um, but, but, uh, no, we, we would have recognized each other. Okay. Uh, and, uh, you know, we, we would always, you know, have a conversation. Uh, I, I would see her every Friday um, oh, because cool. that's when I went to the mountain school. Um, and, uh, yes, we would we would often talk about what's, you know, who are you hitting this, this weekend or something <laughs> like that. Nice. And, uh, yeah, no, we, we, we would have we would have mentioned that. Yeah, yeah. Huh. So might have been a different person. Uh, Could have been. Well, been she she was kind enough to bring Bogu into class or oh, into cool. the school uh, a couple times, and uh, she you know whipped the ever loving snot out of me um, a number of times. You know, the, the, those shin strikes are just absolutely Ooh. brutal. I know. Um, it's it's not something that we're used to. But uh, the good thing is that I, I do have some Naginata friends over in Montreal here in Canada. And my experience with her allowed me to know, you know, I, I was going to get the, the, the shins kicked out from under me. Uh, so I was able to kind of get out of the way of those and, and come back and retaliate with the men. So 
I, I've surprised a few people here because they're used to being able to steamroll over all the yeah. kendo folks just because we're not used to getting our shins kicked or struck. Sorry. Yeah. yeah. So Sweet. it's uh, a, a fun experience. It's it's not real kendo, but hey, it's a lot of fun. That's for sure. Yeah. 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 Definitely. Yes. Yeah, so so essentially, when Koga Third High School. So when we did our mini seminar after that. You know, I, I went to Kudo and said, ah, this is cool, but I don't think I'm going to be able to find this in the United States. It's, mm-hmm. it's not like I did some Googling and things, and there was like one club near New York City, which was a good six-hour drive for me from Rochester. So I would have spent a lot of time training and learning and really not had anyone to practice with when I came home. So I looked at Kendo because I remembered Koga Third had a Kendo team in a dojo there. So I got my supervisor to call them and the teacher said, sure, have him come on down. And did you ever meet Ebihara Sensei and like a Takahashi Ebihara? No, I did not. No. Okay. So he was my Kendo teacher. I think he was a fifth or sixth on, if I remember correctly. Um, very strong. I mean, the dude looked like a samurai when he walked in, he got that feeling like, like he was a big guy like me, six foot, solid. <laughs> Good. <laughs> and then, yeah, they handed me basically a shinai and said, okay, I'm going to show you how to do, you know, Manuchi and, you know, try to do it. So I was like, okay. <laughs> so luckily you showed me a little bit and, um, you know, I did, I did that cut and they had me move around a little bit the first day and said, okay, you know, we can work with you. So you're, you're very flexible. You're, you know, you move well, you have good body positioning and stuff. So we're going to, you know, come back next week. And they, they recommended at first come back, you know, come train with us for two days a week. And then they just kept adding on, adding on, adding on. And they actually stuck me with the girls first. So the girls and guys were kind of separated a lot. I felt like during practice. Really? Yeah, it was interesting. I mean, we, you know, we did some drill work together and then they would kind of go into just all girls, all guys. So they had me training with the girls and then they moved me to the boys later. So then I kind of floated between them. Interesting. Luckily for me, one of the kids really liked English. So they're like, all right, Megumi's going to be Mike's helper. So she would try to translate stuff for me. She's a great kid. And, and we actually still keep in contact. Well, that's so, wonderful. That's kind of awesome. Yeah. Yep. And she was an amazing kendo player. It's funny that she didn't really even kind of want to be there, I think, at, at first when and, – when she was a freshman in high school, because I asked her, I said, oh, you're so great at kendo. Are you going to continue this in college? And she said, um, I think I'm going to do tennis. And I was like, what? You're an amazing kendo player. So, and she said, well, I never got the opportunity to do anything but kendo. So I want to try that. And, um, and I think she went back to kendo now, if I remember correctly, last time I talked to her. So... Well, that's that's the big difference between kendo in in Japan and and every well most other places. It's not recreation. It's not something that uh, a young person will choose to do. It's not uh, it's not a sport. Uh, it, it is a budo. It is that extension of learning. Uh, so 
the expectation is not you're doing this for fun. You're not doing this because you enjoy kendo. You're doing this to pursue the ideals of kendo where you develop the self through correct and rigorous training. Um, and, you know, there's a few sadistic folks like you and I who uh, pursue that, we'll say, correct and rigorous training, uh, but also, uh, you know, starting off from... Uh, from a young age in Japan, a, a lot of these folks are not uh, are not enjoying it after the after they get to high school. Uh, and if they're finding success with it, well, then then wonderful. They can you know perhaps pursue it further, and they can make a career of it, or they can pursue it further. But uh, the, the gross majority of them, you know, it, it is that bukatsu at that point in time. It's going to turn into a club, and then if they wish to pursue it at a amateur level, that's wonderful, and we hope that they do. But uh, many choose tennis which is you know a wonderful pursuit as well sure but not as not as wonderful as kendo of course no no definitely not uh it was how did you find like the training so it's cool because you had that experience prior to japan which i didn't in kendo i did in karate and and we can talk a little bit about that and, and how that kind of is similar or different than your experience so how did you find the training in canada versus japan what was your perspective on that? Yeah, that that's a great question. I, I had a wonderful instructor um, who um, who was also taught by by folks who were were very demanding. Uh, and you know, it's it's one thing to, to wave the flag and say, "Oh, yes, we were old school in our in our instruction." Uh, but I, I think more more honestly, we were earnest in our pursuit uh, of Kendall um, and. We, we worked very hard and, and we were instructed very earnestly in, in what we were taught. Uh, but the uh, the differences uh, between what you can do at a high school level uh, versus what you can do at a community-based university-level kendo club in Canada are, are two very different things. Um, you know, with the university club, in, again, it's community-based. So you have people that are anywhere from 17 to 60 uh, and in Oh, and you're meeting, you know, maybe once or twice a week. Um, and whereas in Japan, it's you know, several hours a day, every day. Um, yeah. And your your instructors are also fifth, sixth, seventh, and and, and eighth dan. Uh, and and you'll have OB coming in to give uh, to give some feedback every once in a while and to give a boost to the team. Um, it's just a very different environment. I, I like to I like to draw the parallels between hockey and kendo. Uh, hockey in Canada, uh, the depth and breadth of the talent pool here is amazing. Absolutely amazing. Uh, and that reflects in Canada's performance at the international level year after year after year. Similarly, kendo has that depth and breadth of, of, of training, of expertise, uh, of, of coaching acumen uh, that uh, you know, many countries outside of, of Japan don't have in, in such abundance. I, I will say again, Canada and many other countries I've been to have absolutely wonderful senior sensei, uh, but the uh, the rank and file are, are not starting from the age of four, and that produces a different player. And it also means that we should be approaching instruction and coaching uh, a little bit differently. Uh, and our 
the, the people that are interested, it, it does become, or it does come from a more initially recreational space than than uh, a, a pursuit of budo. Uh, our parents aren't typically saying you're doing kendo. It's it's just going to be a different approach altogether. Uh, whereas in Canada, we do have, well, you know, my kids included, we have a a, a rink. You know, three doors down, I I flooded all winter, and my kids go and and they skate. Um, so. It's uh, it's a different thing. Long and rambling to say uh, it, it's a very different training environment. Um, Canada, unfortunately, does not enjoy having a dojo attached to every school, but uh, it, it, we're still quite earnest in our in our love of the art, and we want to pursue it. Generally speaking, I, I'm quite fortunate to be in a supportive leadership role uh, with a club here in Ottawa, and that's been a wonderful community to help build as well. And that's perhaps an important word, community. We are uh, a lot more community-focused here, or I shouldn't say a lot more, pardon me, that's that's right, wrong, uh, but, but we have the ability to be very community-focused here, uh, and, and we can bring people in and build them up, which is just wonderful wonderful but we're not expecting people to run off and join the police force uh, with their kendo experience or or to become uh international ranked folks uh we're, we're here to hopefully create community create better individuals uh but the expectation is very different totally agree with that the breath and depth of knowledge and availability to high level teachers in japan was mind-blowing to me you know having a fifth sixth seventh eighth done running a, a high school club or, or university clubs that i visited and just being able to soak that knowledge up for them and and having teammates and classmates that were so dedicated to that martial art and and others that i've practiced mm-hmm. it it, it put me in a completely different mindset of training versus training in community clubs here in the U.S. And, you know, especially at the high school level with Bukatsu and, you know, they're going six to seven days a week, two hours, two, three hours a session, which mm-hmm. I consider myself extremely lucky to have had that. Not a lot of kendo or judo or karate people are, are able to train seven days a week and, and have that sort of freedom to do that. Additionally with, you know, I never paid anything really. To <laughs> uh, yeah. I, I think I paid a yearly, um, yearly dues to the, the all Japan Kendo Federation. But beyond that, you know, for my, for my insurance, which, you know, everyone should, um, Beyond that, was yeah. I supposed to do that? I don't remember doing that. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, there, there was a card and everything, Mike. Yeah. Oh shoot. Uh, yeah. I must have um, missed that. Well, perhaps that was associated with Jodo as well, because because I did uh, I did take okay. the opportunity to train and, and grade in Jodo as well while I was That's there. That's cool. That that was uh, and and even in Japan, you can say, well, yes, I train in Jodo as well. Yeah. You can you can say, I I play kendo, and everyone says, "That's wonderful, great, good yeah. for you." But then they say, or then you say, uh, oh, I also do Jodo. And they mean, you mean Jodo, uh, Judo, right? No, 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 Jodo. <laughs> well, tell me more What's... about that. I know nothing about Jodo, really. I know it's like a, a little stick, right? You hit people with a smaller stick. Uh, that's, we'll, we'll, we'll go with that. So it is <laughs> uh, for, forms based, uh, all, all kata all the time. Uh, and okay. a Joe is a smaller bow, we'll say. Okay. Uh, so. Uh, 
will approximate four feet as opposed to six feet for a bow. Uh, again, I'm I'm a little bit rough on those, so please correct me quickly. Sure. Uh, and, and yeah, there, it's, it's all forms based, and of course, it uh, harkens back into the quadu forms as well. Um, cool. And there, there's wonderful history with uh, Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi and and uh, being beaten by a bow, I believe. Uh, but that's not something that I am particularly. Uh, I, I don't have a very good memory, as I as I warned you. It's uh, a little bit of Swiss cheese. Uh, but uh, it's 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 just a stick. That's that's all there is to it. So uh, if you're hiking in the woods, it it works for a walking stick, and if you're uh, training in the dojo, it works as a joe as well. But to to harken back to your comment, being uh, with uh, Ibaraki being a hotbed of martial arts activity, you know, one of my instructors or one of the, my my co teachers at uh, at uh, Ota First was a a jodo enthusiast, uh, and of course he was connected with uh, a lot of the more senior teachers uh, within Ibaraki. So he and I went on a couple of different road trips uh, to Tsukuba. Uh, for or t- to meet with and, and train with some of the kind of premier Koryu folks uh, in, in the prefecture as well, which was absolutely insane. And I keep on kicking myself, Mike, because all, all of these opportunities were there. And, you know, it, it's, it's, it's the kind of relationship that with today's translation technologies and social media, it would be so wonderfully easy to keep up with people. Uh, but at that point in time, my, my Japanese was so poor and, and I, I kick myself every day for not being able to maintain a lot of these connections and relationships in a way that I would have liked to. Uh, so that's, uh, that's really challenging. Yeah, that can be but, tough. It, it, it is something that I wish I had more of a command of prior to becoming a jet. Honestly, I, I took one class. It was Japanese 1A. And we, we it, Japanese 1 was split into two classes and then the progressive levels. But I, I really did not have that command of Japanese. And I was in a dojo seven days a week mm-hmm. and, and double that on Tuesday, Thursdays, and Fridays doing karate also in a, in a private club. So I, I don't know how I did that. <laughs> looking back at it now but i i tried to learn japanese i worked really hard and i felt like there were a lot of roadblocks to that as far as making a lot of progress like like for instance we had some very dedicated folks in the community trying to teach japanese however they did not speak english so mm-hmm. you know i had immersion but it didn't have the sort of ability to really ask in-depth questions like why do i use you know this particle this way and you know it was like working double hard to be able to master japanese and to get to that point where i can understand everything they're talking about in kendo class so uh, did you did you feel that way also or Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And it's probably why I've uh, maintained my my level where it is, uh, is because my my level of Japanese is not sufficient to have taken advantage of those relationships that I've kind of alluded to. Um, It's there's so much locked up there. And if you can access the talent pool, you know, there's there's no foreigners in a kendo dojo. Uh, There's no... There's no barrier to you there. If you play kendo, they want you there. They want you to share. They're happy to build you up. Um, 
I, I have never felt estranged or, or outside. Uh, quite, quite the opposite, actually. It's one of the only spaces that I've been the insider because I do play kendo versus the Japanese person on the street who doesn't play kendo. Oh, they're, they're the outsider there. Um, well, you know but, what? Uh, it's funny you bring that up. Because I also felt that way in every dojo that I've been to Japan. I felt like I was very welcomed. They wanted me there. They wanted me to train with them. They appreciated that having a foreigner in their club and being there with them. And especially in the high schools, I think was an exceptional opportunity to make a connection with the foreigner and those high school kids, you know, they, they really were interested in me and, and enjoyed having me there. Uh, it's funny because I didn't feel that coming home and, and bringing it back to your question about my kendo journey right now. And, and since I left Japan in, in 2014, <sighs> kendo is kind of, I, I hate to be negative. The situation in my city is, we had two kendo clubs at the University of Rochester. We had another club at let's see, U of R, and it was RIT, Russia Institute of Technology. So I was desperately looking for ways to continue my kendo practice and continue my training. Uh, a karate dojo in my city, which was a private club, they had kendo, but it just died out there. The teacher just said, well, I have a fifth. I think he had a fourth or fifth on and just didn't teach it anymore. So I was basically left with clubs at the university level, which I connected with. And, but I did not feel welcome there, especially when I went to seminars. So in, in Buffalo, New York, there's a high level teacher there. He's a fifth or sixth on a nice guy, but but the Japanese teachers that came for seminars or the higher level kendo players there seemed to have an attitude and kind of didn't seem interested in promoting kendo because, you know, the universities, you had to pay extra fees to get in. They had very limited times to be able to play. I think it was two and a half hours. We had one day on Saturdays that I was able to play with them at RIT. And I was actually... They ended up making me an instructor, which I didn't want. <laughs> like, I didn't want to teach kendo. I just wanted to play and enjoy it. But I had a Nidan, and I ended up making a Nidan in Japan. And uh, I, I kind of wished I'd stayed longer in Japan. My, my sensei was like, well, you know, if you stayed a little longer, you would have been able to get Sandan, and then we'll see where it goes. But unfortunately, I, I was brought home for a number of reasons. Walking in from Japan, you know, I'm kind of a humble guy. I keep my mouth shut and just train. They were like, well, you know, everybody here is Shodan and we want you to run the club. And I was like, okay, I guess. So, and then later, you know, I, I tried running it kind of like all the drill work that we did in Japan because I kept extensive journals when I was there. But everything we did. So um, I'll need you to share some of those with me, if you please. Yeah, yeah. I got a, a very good book I ended up buying. It's a digital book about Kendall's oh, drill work. Oh, yeah. I got that one. Oh, okay. All right. No, no, I, I want your journals. No, I, you I got my jo journals. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I, well, I, I've got McCall Sensei's book. That's, uh, that's already there. I, I know which one. <laughs> I'll have to dig those out. So I got them floating around here somewhere. 
Um, I'd be happy to share them with you. But we, you know, we, it, it was a very different sort of experience. I, I found United States Kendo was very disorganized. They had basically no digital presence. They asked me about my rank. You know, I, I submitted my certificate, everything I earned in Japan. I think we had a little uh, book that they also filled out for, for grading and testing and stuff. I, I just didn't feel as welcome, especially in New York City. I went to New York City and and trained with some of the dojo there. It was just a very different sort of attitude with the older Japanese teachers versus the ones in, in Japan. You know, unfortunately, I, I just didn't feel that same welcoming experience. In, J- in Japan, I mean, I remember being at a Shiai with the students and my sensei, he calls me over here. He's like, Mike Sensei, come here. So I, I, I run over. Yes, Sensei. Hi, hi. And he's like, oh, this is so-and-so from some of their dojo, one of his friends. He's like, this is my foreigner. I'm teaching him everything I know. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I was kind of like taken to battle. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, you know. But he's like, oh, he's doing such a great job. I'm going to make him the best kendo player that I've had. And, you know, and he he was hilarious. And, you know, it, it was fun to sort of be in that welcoming environment. I kind of didn't, I'm a bit disappointed that U.S. kendo wasn't more like that. The situation here is most dojos are university dojos. So you're getting kids jumping in for a couple years that have an interest in Star Wars, you know, <laughs> or they they they're they're kind of like into anime and stuff and and want to do kendo and that's cool. There's a lot of reasons to to join kendo for fitness and and other reasons, you know, in that budo aspect where you get some kids into that. But it it is what it is, and and I try to jump in every once in a while and take a class. I I actually broke my toe in a in a karate tournament, and then after two years of being home, I was like, all right, I think I'm going to take a break from kendo a little bit. And from time to time, I I I take class, but now mainly I'm focused on karate and judo and trying to improve those, just because the availability of kendo is so small. The opportunity to to grow is is not here. I felt like so. It's kind of a downer, <laughs> and I don't well, need to be negative. No, no, no. I, I I certainly understand. And yes, the uh, the the whole space is different. But again, I I'd say that that boils down a lot to the accessibility and availability. There there are so many university based clubs here with rotating memberships, which is a a, a pro and con um, for sure. But I I will say one positive thing that's come out of the pandemic for me personally has been the the access and networking that that's allowed me to have with uh, you know Kendoka from from coast to coast, both in Canada and the U.S. and beyond. Uh, I've been so fortunate. I've, I've been organizing this monthly speaker series uh, where I have someone who knows a lot more than I do come in and talk about something else. And uh, well, that doesn't take much to be to be frank. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I've been ever so fortunate to have some absolutely fantastic speakers say yes. And, and I, I mentioned already, I, I work in, in career counseling right now, and I always have to coach my students towards networking and making connections and asking for that referral and asking for that next step. And, you know, to be frank, it's the first time I've applied that to my kendo experience. And um, 
it, it's worked wonders over the past couple of years uh, my my small community dojo has reached out and made connections with people literally all over the world nepal finland uh, you, know, you know the representatives from from their uh, from their national kendo squads um you know folks in the us uh, coast to coast in canada uh and and japan as well it's just been such a wonderful way to to reach out and break down some barriers where as you're mentioning um previously without being able to travel and without being able to connect easily uh it's it's very challenging to have those those uh, social connections that you could easily make in Japan because everything is just so proximate uh, that, uh, you know, it's, it's just been the, the one silver lining for me over the past couple of years. That's fantastic. You're able to make those connections. And, and I, I felt like every time I went to Kokusai Budo Daigaku, I would run into people and, you know, make connections with them. And they're like, oh, you know, if you're in uh, Spain, come visit our club and I'd get a business card. And a funny quick story, I was walking into the, I think the mess hall or something, and I had my name on the back of my jacket, and a guy grabs my arm, he says, oh, are you Hungarian? I said, uh, yes, I'm actually half Hungarian. <laughs> how, how did you know that? And he, like, I'd forgotten my name was on the back of my team jacket. And, <laughs> and he said, I saw your name, Foki, and this is very Hungarian. And I said, what? Really? Like, okay. Like, I didn't know there were that many Fokies out there because I'm really the only one, you know, my dad. <laughs> you know, growing up, my my area was all italian american so they'd be like folky is that italian because it ends an i and i'm like nope it's it's hungarian man so this guy was chatting with me for like 20 minutes and finally he said oh i'm leaving i was training kendo here do you do kendo and i said yes i do and and he said well if you're ever in budapest I will take you out. We will drink. This will be a good time. So he gave me his card and, you know, it, it's, it was making those positive connections. I, I really enjoyed that about martial arts in Japan, as well as doing kendo. And I, I got a lot of that at judo too, because at the Kodokan in Tokyo, which is the headquarters of judo for the world, really, I mean, people are coming constantly in and out, you know, world champions and, and, people from other countries that are just rec players. So it was cool to just make those connections. And, you know, I, I'm sure if I was in Hungary, they wouldn't remember me, but they would say, Oh, you know, you, you were in Japan and you train, come train with us. You know, we have that mutual love of, of this Budo together. Yeah. Well, every, every country I've been to in the past you know, 20 years, I, I try to pack my Bogu with me. I, I've, I've lived in France. I've traveled really? around to a okay. number, yeah, traveled around wow. a number of different countries in Europe and uh, every time have, have Bogu will travel. And as a matter of fact, I think this, uh, this coming week, we're expecting a visitor at our dojo. Who's a, uh, a previous or actually current, perhaps a member of the, the Turkish national squad. Wow. So we're, we're really looking forward to having him. He's my size. He's a Joe player so oh, i'm looking sweet. forward to uh to having <laughs> having my butt handed to me uh but yeah. uh it, it'll be a good time i'm sure you'll give him a good match man <laughs> well i it's not so frequently in kendo that two six foot three 200 pounders guys get to uh to see each other True. Um, 
it used to be me and my brother every once in a while, but yeah. uh, he doesn't play so much anymore. So uh, okay. <laughs> we'll see. But cool. I, I'm, I'm, I'm ever so fortunate again with my club. We have uh, three uh, Team Canada candidates uh, that are training with us. They wow. challenge me all the time, uh, which is absolutely wonderful. Yeah, lucky man. Bringing it back to Japan, I did have a question about exams. Like, uh, how were what were your Dan exams like there? Well, uh, let's see here. the The only one I can really remember was my my Nidan in Jodo, uh, and, and that's because I embarrassingly uh, I, I was focused in. I was doing everything. Ray was as, as sharp as I can make it to be. Uh, but I had my sword upside down. <laughs> you know, oh here, here I am, laser focused. Here we go. But but they use these these feather light bokken, and mm. uh, of of course I know I know which side's the sharp one. Let's let's <laughs> okay. Let I've, I've been doing this for a while. Even back then, I've been doing this for a little while. Um, but uh, I was a ball of nerves, and uh, yeah. So the, the, there, there's only two grading stories I remember. That that was the first one, and and they halted the grading. Somebody rushed over to me and ever so gently just flipped it around in my hands. <laughs> in and, front of everyone, uh, right? <laughs> in front of everyone, <laughs> and, and of, yeah. of of course, uh, oh, man. I, I I figure, okay, well, yeah, there goes that one. Um, <laughs> But uh, I, I actually passed that, uh, believe it or not. And I, I think that's because they, they weren't looking so much at how you were handling the sword. And, and they all they all saw it. They uh, you know, it, First of all, it's Nidan. So, you know, yeah. we're, we're not going for a high rank here. Yeah. Uh, but uh, they... And they've they all been there before. Everybody's yeah. above nerves for those Dan exams, I feel yeah. like. If absolutely. there isn't, there's something wrong with you. <laughs> uh, absolutely, you know. So I, th- they, they knew very well that I wasn't going for my huts done. Uh, that you know, that it was it, was, it was no, no biggie. So they, they corrected me, and I think they, they allowed me to go through based on the fact that I was able to shake it off and perform the rest of that, the rest of the day with without any further embarrassing issues. Uh, so that was memory number one. Uh, and, and memory number two was, the, again, a Jodo, Jodo exam. Um, the written portion this time. Uh, I, you know, they, they had done their best to provide some translation. And they were letting me do anything I needed to to get my point across. I could do stick figures. I could do interpretive dance, whatever it needed to be. But at the end, one of the exasperated examiners just said to me, do you speak French? And 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 I do. You do. I I, do. I, I, I I am fluently bilingual, so you know we we immediately switch over to French. Uh, I, I rewrite my entire examination succinctly in French. Wow. No stick figures, and and uh, we we have a very pleasant conversation and pass. Yeah, again, uh, not 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 a big deal. So um, fantastic. My, my experiences at at the accessible levels of, of done again this is not high level stuff um everyone is as as accommodating as they could be as understanding as they could be uh and even though i had to do it either in english or in french or stick figures uh they, they made it work uh, as best as possible uh, i will reiterate again this is it, it's it's not as if i was trying for a, uh, a renci or something like that right. you know this is not an essay 
Uh, I was trying to regurgitate the correct answers as succinctly as possible, but they, they made it work. Uh, again, going back to our point of being welcome within the dojo, uh, they, they understand that I'm doing my best. I'm, I'm trying trying to use the language that I do have uh, and, and then I'm you know, communicating in English for, English and French or stick figures as possible. Uh, but uh, everyone everyone worked with me as, as well as they could and, and I, I did my best as well. And at the end of the day, uh, I, I will um, I will say that I was very fortunate not to have failed an exam, even though I, I think they quite rightfully should have. Um, but nice, but you passed, and, and I'm sure you definitely deserved it. So I, I well, that, you're that's, a hard worker. <laughs> that, that's very generous. Yeah, but uh, for 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 Jodo, that was EQ Shodo, um, EQ Shodan and Nidan that I passed, mm-hmm. and for Kendo, it was my Nidan and Sandan that I passed, oh. um, and, and all without significant hitches and some embarrassing stories to come along with it. For, for Sanda and Kendo, did you have to also write an ex- like a essay for that? Yep. Okay. Yeah, there, there's always the written portion of the exam. Yeah. Uh, but again, just uh, did, did my absolute best. I think there was some, again, leeway given mm-hmm. and, and a lot of understanding. Uh, but I was very fortunate uh, that in my group there was also some Elderly folks in their twenties, like me, that were were going through their uh, their exams as well, uh, which is somewhat unusual in Japan. Again, most people would have cleared their nidan sandan in high school, uh, yondan in university, and and onwards and upwards from there. Uh, but uh, I was very fortunate. My group and and everyone again very compassionate with the poor foreigner who didn't uh, didn't understand left from right. True. Yeah. So, same for me. It was interesting. I did my EQ. In, obviously, all my kendo experience was in Japan at that time. So my EQ was local in Koga, which mm-hmm. it was at one of there was like a small arena. And, you know, I showed up and a lot of high school kids like itchy. Maybe no, they were they had to be junior high school. I correct myself there. I believe they're junior high school kids going for EQ. Usually, so, yeah. Yep, not a huge number, but it was interesting being the one foreigner and the giant foreigners. So they were kind of scared of me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm surprised that one of the, uh, the the grading panelists didn't just hop in with you just to, to give you someone of more reasonable size. Yeah, uh, to... no. <laughs> so I was with. One of the junior high school kids, and I remember, you know, we I was doing my kata. It was basically all kata, and I think it was like menuchi or something simple. And I did the kata, and, and you know, it, it actually, that was the only test that I really wasn't that nervous on. So I zoomed through it. I felt really confident in everything. For my shodan and nidan, they were in, I believe it was shimodate. So at that time, one of the British jets, Ben, was there, and that was a little bit nerve-wracking. I was in a giant arena with like a hundred people, I would say a hundred Japanese people and me. Yeah. And ben, luck- ben, didn't, ben didn't play Kendo, did he? He, he did not, no. Okay, yeah. So. I, I, saw, I saw him play, uh, well, not play, he, he had a... He had an MMA fight. I think yes. We, you, you were there for that, weren't you? I was not. 
I no. I don't think I even knew what was going on. I was like, what? You were in an MMA oh, fight? No. So yeah, Ben Ben had, uh, I think it was a one or two round MMA fight. He he uh, he came out on top, and, and man, that was my, my first uh, live MMA experience. Really? And what oh, a thrill. Shoot. But w- what a pleasure it was to go and support him as well. Uh, he yeah. was just such, such, such a lovely fellow. Ben, if you ever hear this... Uh, well done back then, and uh, yeah. it, you know it was it was such a wonderful experience being able to go out and, and support him as well. Yeah, Ben was a great guy. He did MMA in the UK along with Muay Thai, and and we were kind of judo buddies at the time. Like he was going for his shodan, and I was also. So he came over and rolled around with my club, my high school club, and and I did with his also. So we had a really good time of judo. And he, we, we both ended up earning our showdowns. I think we tested in different places. I actually had to drive all the way to Kashima. <laughs> so right near Kashima Jingu for that exam. And they had a pre-test and an actual test for that. And I actually went to Kashima Jingu and it's a, it's a martial arts shrine, right? So mm-hmm. I was like, you know, it must be some sort of cosmic... <laughs> positive thing for me so i went to the shrine did the clappy thing and and <laughs> threw in a little prayer for my budo success before my shodan test in judo so that was kind of neat and then i passed that which i was ecstatic about i'd worked really hard for that test and my high school kids really helped me prepare as well as in kendo they they worked so hard to help me like they wanted me to be successful which it was that was awesome man i i don't think i could have done it without them frankly <laughs> and and them spending that time with me so especially for the kata and I, you know I, what do you think about kendo kata because we do use the boken and it's it's so different from the regular practice of kendo with a shinai it's like, why is there such a big divide for that? Why is there? I don't think there is. Um, no. Okay. If, if if you actually know your kata, um, <laughs> um, you'll be able to extract very relevant information out of all of that. Uh, there's a couple of uh, seminar videos out there explaining as well uh, some of the finer details of, of kata, and you know, uh, a lot of what's done at, at a junior level is. We'll say a dance, uh, you know, there, you know, Ushideshi does this, Ushideshi does that, you know, here we go. Whereas well-executed kata should teach both sides, you know, how to react, how to uh, lure, how to initiate, how to uh, make an action happen. Uh, and, and with good study and with good teaching, uh, there's a lot to be derived from from kata that can be applied directly into shinai geiko. Um, another tool as well. I, I'm I'm going to actually have to Google this because I, I can never remember the entire name. So the, it's bokuto keikoho, which is the, the shortened version. Okay. Okay. But I I will. It's a bokuto nioru kendo kendo kihon waza keikoho. Uh, so I think you can understand why I yes. never remember the full name. <laughs> uh, so, so this is 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 a not new thing uh, that was introduced to, into the teaching pedagogy well after I started kendo, uh, and it was not used frequently uh, in 
in in Japan uh, at the high school level. Uh, it's it's used in Japan now at uh, at a very junior level, and uh, it, it, it's a keiko ho. That, that's that's the difference. It's not uh, kata. Um, so there's a little bit less interpretation. There's a little bit less, uh, you know, deeper meaning. We'll say uh, it, it is okay. Kote men do tsuki. Okay, harai men. Okay, debana. So it, 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 it's all very direct in its application. Uh, but it's a keikoho, so you can really work with these and change them a little bit to really teach different lessons and, and to make people aware of the realities of what they're doing. Um, and, and sometimes you can do it with your bokuto, you can do it with a shinai when you're wearing bogu, so that people can execute these things and understand why and what. Uh, so to get back to your question of wh- why is there a difference, there, there should be much less of a difference than, than people make out to be. Uh, and if people have a good understanding of kata, then they'll have better ability to transition kata into their keiko. Um, of course, if you're doing uh, kendo kata 7 through 10, that's with a short sword. And at which point in time, yeah, unless you're doing tankendo, that, that, that's not... <laughs> <laughs> That's a little bit less uh, applicable. Uh, the lessons are, are still there. You're still you you should still be learning how to trigger a reaction or how to elicit someone to come and cut your men, come and cut your kote. Uh, that's that's the lessons learned. But of course, the the application with the short sword and and, and the locking is is going to be different. How often in Japan did you guys practice kendo kata? Uh, that's that that that's a better question, and, and I'll I'll blame my Swiss cheese head on that one. Um, <laughs> the high school did not practice it except for gradings, so that that's been kind of the global standard that I've found when you're, we'll say, younger than twenty. Um, my community clubs, we'll say, encouraged a encouraged a regular visitation to kata, so maybe once a week uh, you'd spend. The first 10 or 15 minutes of, of your class going through that with sensei and that would be fine but again a quick portion of that and, and you know I, I don't know if you experienced this i'm, I'm sure you did but at, at the community level class wasn't class class was you come in you clean taiso uh, you you bow kirigaish keiko yes that that that's it yeah. Uh, so, uh, which which is wonderful, and you develop a lot if you can have those conversations. Uh, my community clubs uh, would often record, and actually, sensei would uh, burn and distribute D- DVDs. To, to, you oh, know, fantastic. to give you a to give you a, an idea of the timeline. Yeah, never mind this upload to YouTube silliness. We yeah. burnt DVDs, gave them out on a monthly basis. And my goodness, what a, what a resource that was! What, yeah. what a thing to do. Um, when you're talking about building people up, you know, he, he would just do this for for everybody. Everybody in the club got the copy of the monthly keiko, and, and you would be That's expected to, to go back in and review your own. But every once in a while, we would. Uh, this was unfortunately rarely for myself, but uh, for one of my my buddies who speaks Japanese, uh, he would uh, and also lives in the same city. Um, he, he would go over for for dinner and drinks, and uh, they would review his keiko together. And and my goodness, you know what, what a resource that would be having a yeah. uh, you know seventh dan, uh, uh, kyoshi nanadan who who would then review your 
<laughs> your Keiko video. Uh, wow, that, 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 that's an opportunity that should happen more. And, and to go to our current club, um, you know, fa fast forward a few years here or a decade plus, um, you know, we, we, we have our iPhone. <laughs> One person's always yeah. uh, setting it up at the head of the class and they're responsible for uploading it to YouTube uh, after every class. You know, what a Fantastic. wonderful way to share that share the share the responsibility it's great i really regret not making videos of myself doing kendo just a quick uh kind of uh, fill in of information i got married to japanese girl i've so noticed her name's mizuho yeah <laughs> i'm very happy she's an amazing woman i'm very very lucky to be married to her and, and she makes me better with us being together so she's great she has no interest in martial arts which is cool <laughs> But she does appreciate it, and she does appreciate that I love that and, and that being part of Japanese culture. So last time we were in Japan together, I got to go back to Koga, and I did make some videos. And luckily, I did have a tripod because she gets tired watching me do martial arts. So, Don't blame her. Yeah, mm, I can't blame her either. So. And, and reviewing those videos was fantastic. I, I kind of regret that I didn't think of that for all those years of training there. And I really should have. And what's cool is I got a video of my showdown exam. So I was able to see that. And, oh. and going back quickly to that, there were about 100 Japanese people and one German guy that was gigantic. He was like 6'3", mm. 6'4". So naturally, we were paired up for basically everything <laughs> during that test. So, But it's cool. I, I got a video of us doing the Keiko fighting, and it was, it was fantastic to have that. And I, I saw how terribly I sucked that once. <laughs> but, but thankfully enough to pass that exam. And, and I think the Nidon exam looked much, much better as far as is my progression in Kendo. And I remember my sensei reviewing them with me and saying, wow, you know, you have improved a lot. So he was pleased with, with that performance and, and with Kata too. So having those videos is, is definitely invaluable. And I think people should record more of what they do. And, and if you're a jet in Japan, I would highly recommend, you know, making those videos, use your iPhone all the time and learn from that. Absolutely. Um, I, I know iPhones came out when I was in Japan, uh, yep. but, you know, smartphones now, not, not only the translate function is wonderful, but uh, you can, yeah, you, you can record so many different things in so many different ways. Uh, so if this is a martial art plus jet uh, question, then yeah, absolutely try to make as much footage as possible of, of your Keiko while you're there. If it's a jet in general question, yeah, you know, it's, it's a limited time. Uh, even if you somehow end up living there for forever and ever, hooray, uh, mm -hmm. the jet experience is going to be a, a limited one. Now, chances are, even if you do become a lifer, uh, you know, there, there may be children involved later on that, uh, you know, you're, you're not going to have the same selfish, I mean that in the best of possible ways, selfish lifestyle as you did when you were a jet. You know, f for me, uh, jet is this whirlwind of martial arts, motorcycles, and, and you know, it's, it's just good times, good times. And not, not to say that there weren't challenges and that I wasn't, uh, you know, I didn't have my own personal ups and, ups and downs. Uh, but in, in retrospect, you know, all, all of the good stuff is, is just, you know, 
for me, motorcycles, kendo, uh, and, and you know, my, my, my partner, my friends, uh, and, uh, that's, it's just, just a really wonderful experience overall. And, and if I had the opportunity to go back now and have the same smartphone I have now that, that back then, uh, I would encourage anyone and everyone to uh, yeah, take plenty of video, take plenty of photos. So tell me, you mentioned motorcycles. Tell me a little bit more about that. Oh, goodness. Uh, yeah. I, I have been from tip to tip to tip to tip uh, in Japan on, on two wheels uh, really? a number That's of times. Yeah, it was a a wonderful thing to do, um, and yeah, uh, no, I, I'm I'm Canadian, so I don't have any of the interesting stories about going to have my test done here or or, or the horrors of my driver exam over here. I just showed up and said, here, "Here's my license. I'm Canadian, and uh, please give me your Japanese license." And, and, what? and they did. That's yeah. not fair. Oh. Same same with your motorcycle. Your yeah, yeah, just yeah. I, I had my motorcycle motorcycle license before I came to Japan, uh, and they just said okay, uh, which was all the more infuriating for for my uh, my friends <laughs> from the states that that I rode with because uh, I, I think they were also and, and I'm 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 probably fuzzy on this one, but I I think they were restricted to a to a Chugata license for a little while. So I, I think they may have had like a, a 400cc restriction for a period of time. I'm probably really wrong on this. I apologize. <laughs> it's it's in the rear view mirror for me. Uh, but I, I also didn't it, have to deal with it. I believe it was a one year. I remember you could do your international license for one year. Correct. And once that was finished, you had to take the road test. Because I, I didn't know that. And I was like, what? I had to take a road test? Like, it, it was a very sort of expensive and... <laughs> oh, it's, ex- it, it, it's expensive. It's yeah. tedious. It, it's everything that you don't want it to be. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it, it's also so non, non-real non world, right? I, I, mm-hmm. I, you know, I, again, I didn't have to do it. So, again, forgive me if I'm getting this wrong. But yeah. you'd have to go in, not put your seatbelt on, but you have to adjust your seats, adjust your mirrors, look under the car for a certain period of time, turn around three times, cross yourself, uh, <laughs> you know, all, a, a few different things, right? Before you even yeah. touch the keys to turn it on. Yeah. So it was a different experience. So if you're Canadian, I, please enjoy. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I guess you're, you've won the lottery. You're lucky. There you. you go. That's the one. Well, I heard that the motorcycle test is even more tedious. Oh, it's brutal, brutal, brutal. Didn't Kiba go through that? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He he'll he'll bitch and moan about that to this day. Uh, Absolutely, don't don't get him. Kiba was like your riding buddy, right? He was he was a jet with us, and he loved motorcycles. And oh, he still is. He can't get away from me. Absolutely. (laughs) Now we. uh, Do you guys stay in touch? I won't say every day, but uh, okay. <laughs> we'll, we'll say that there's there's hardly seventy two hours that go by without some bit of bullshit happening between us. There, that's it's good. Fantastic. Yeah, um, that's great. Yeah, he, he and I have been have been all over Japan, and uh, well, again, you know, jet relationships and, and putting people together from all over. Uh, you know, he he's just for for 
for me personally, one of those wonderful examples of, you know, you, you get a bunch of people in, in the room that uh, w- would not have previously had the opportunity to have met. Um, and and Jet puts a bunch of different people from a bunch of different backgrounds in the same room together. Uh, and one thing that is in common is that you're you're all individuals that are willing to be willing to be adventurous, willing to go somewhere, willing to put yourself in a position that you are more or less certain of, of being comfortable in. Uh, and no matter what it is, uh, you know, he, he had been an international student in Japan previously, so he had had a lot of experience in Japan. Um, but no matter what, there, there's a big difference when you go there and say, okay, I'm going to go and work here. That's that's a different experience no matter what. So no matter what background you're coming in from, no matter what country you're coming in from, everybody that's coming into that jet orientation has a common spirit, a common flame when it comes to that that interest in pursuing something outside of their typical cultural experience. Uh, e- even for those who are Japanese, Canadian, Japanese, American. Um, even if that's you're going a different back experience. To, I mean, yeah. you know, you grew up in a foreign country and even if you're half Japanese or Kristen, another jet in our group was a hundred percent Japanese, you know, you're still that, that living and working in Japan. It's a different experience. Definitely. Oh, sorry about that. It is All uh... right. Welcome back. God, it's getting cold out here. Sorry, yeah, I, I know. Not quite summer yet, right? No, no. I, uh, <clears throat> I also, I've, I've been a remote worker for ten plus years. Uh, so for me, uh, welcome to my shed. I, I, I live and work out here, and uh, there's, there's no central heating, much like Japan. So, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the heaters are on now. Oh, just one sip of beer left. Yeah, the heaters are on now, and uh, it, it'll, it'll get there. Fantastic. Um, so let's see. Did did you back to like your your interests and hobbies and things in Japan? So you were a busy guy. You did kendo, you did jodo, and you're riding bikes. Were you into anything else outside of that? Uh, I organized a number of different uh, international cooking classes um, that oh, was right. uh, put on at the the Mito International Center. That was a wonderful thing. Uh, I, ordered, yeah. uh, I I participated in a number of different uh, night markets uh, in my town uh, where I would put out a stall and basically we invited all of the ALTs in, in Ibaraki to come out to Ota for the night to, uh, well, to, to be silly. Uh, and I would... I would cook a thing and it, it was a night market. So there's a bunch of different stalls, you know, takoyaki ramen, whatever. And I would do something interestingly foreign every night and, uh, or not every night, pardon me, you know, once every three months or something like that. And that was a real treat of an experience because, uh, well, it was a, a real community maker. Uh, and, and it was yeah. very fortunate that uh, so many ALTs as well were able to, you know, come out and, and be silly. And I, uh, I remember Emily whose birthday I have missed by a day, Emily, happy birthday. I'm so sorry. I didn't say happy birthday yet. Uh, you know, I, I just remember her, uh, going out and having so much fun with some of the kids that were kind of running around the area. And it was, uh, that, that was the point of jet, uh, it was not necessarily being the, uh, the talk box in the, in the classroom or, or talking about, uh, pedagogy and, and English mm-hmm. teaching, but, uh, 
the, the real experience of, of living in community with people and showing these communities that, you know, we're all people uh, and we, we enjoy some different things and we enjoy some similar things, but uh, at the end of the day, we can all do some fun things together. Yeah, that's fantastic. So what kind of, would you make cultural food from Canada or your family or like, what, what did you make for Japanese folks? Uh, I remember making crepes one, one time, um, which is neither Canadian nor particularly cultural. Uh, I guess a little, a little French, but, uh, yeah, that's, that's not really me. Um, I, I can't recall what else we cooked to be frank. Um, yeah, I, I just remember it would be absolutely wonderful, and and, and both uh, <laughs> both both Kiba and and my then girlfriend now wives, um, they they would be our marketing directors, uh, and, and they would come out and very <laughs> very generously translated and, and uh, did some selling, we'll say, uh, of the various things that we were making, uh, and had just a wonderful time of it. Now, I. Did you not come out to any of those? I you know, we would have done some like Gonki or something like that at some point in time. Yeah, I think they were pretty far for me. And uh, yeah, I, I just, yeah. It, it was kind of tough for me to make it out there. So I, I kind of I I might have came out for one, I believe. Again, my Swiss cheese brain has <laughs> been quite a while since it, it it's been know, a stretch those times. So yeah, yes, it's sir. been a little while, but it's nice to reflect on it and. And I also like to cook. I, I did a few parties, like oh, yeah. basically international parties in my apartment. And at the time, I was very lucky. I had no people under me, no people to the left and right. The apartments were all vacant at this mm. kind of stretch of time. And I was able to throw some crazy wine parties. And, <laughs> and I, I cooked up some garbage plates, which, <laughs> <laughs> which is, is essentially... Oh, I, I know, I know. I've yeah, been you know, Rogers. I've been through. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't get You're it, right. to be frank, but, you know, it's 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 good university food, I'll say. Yeah, it's junk food, you know, it's, it's, it's comfort food. And for anyone listening who's not from this region of, of the United States, it's essentially mac salad, home fries, so, or French fries, uh, you get a choice, and then there's burgers. You get two burgers. Top that off with hot sauce and raw onions, like diced onions on top of that. A little bit of mustard, a little spicy mustard, and bam, you got a garbage plate. So it's it's been on international TV shows and stuff, and, and I actually got the recipe translated Japanese. And I think I remember doing uh, – a demo of that we we had some big like cooking event i remember going to mito area and and i did garbage plates for that and, and people liked it i mean you'd have to rename that in japan because i don't think people <laughs> like that go me plates uh yeah that that would be a bit of a stretch that's for sure uh, you know the well, well, well food's just that that international constant right everyone mm-hmm. eats uh from, from Prince, yeah. For, from Prince to Popper, yeah, it, it does build community, and I, I use that to my best advantage. I know with my English club, I, I used uh, a, a number of different food lessons, of course, to either celebrate holidays, um, 
but but also just you know Japan's all about their seasonality. So uh, I would try to, particularly in my mountain schools as well. You know the, the English lessons were were practically hopeless. Um, <laughs> so we would we would go through those a, as we needed to. And I had wonderful JTEs there and a wonderful staff overall, and and, and the kids were were lovely. Just just not academically or, or at least English inclined. Um, but, you know, even the worst of them, if you put a, a pie in front of them, well, they're, they're going to talk to you. Uh, you know, it it's might true. be inappropriate, but that's okay. So uh, I know when it was a uh, kabocha season, uh, I would, mm. uh, I would make, or I should say with my mountain school, which only had 40 or so kids total, um, wow. you know, to, you know, to, to argue class sizes with someone in the U.S. right now, right? Uh, so with my mountain school, with this you know total classroom or total school population of you know, forty to sixty kids, wow. I I would go out and you know we we would do pumpkin pies from 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 pastry to to finished product, and uh, a lot of people will push back and say, okay, well the Japanese palate doesn't typically enjoy cinnamon and cloves and that type of thing, but. Uh, you know, bless them. They they tried, uh, and for some of them, you know, it was a awakening experience, and for other ones, it was a a confirming experience that they did not enjoy cloves and cinnamon, but uh, they all enjoyed the experience. Uh, and, and no matter how academically inclined they were or not, uh, as long as you kept a positive attitude, they always really enjoyed those more cultural and particularly hands on classes. So that was a, a lot of fun. Well, and, tell me more about your mountain schools. What was it like? I, I, all my schools were pretty big. The exception of I had a half a year of one school that was closing down. And we had really small class sizes. And then that was it. The kids graduated. School closed down. The majority, uh, I would say every school, I had four high schools. And I had every class filled. I mean, there was there were forty kids in each class. So. Wow. Um, yeah. Well, well, for my mountain school, there was one that I went to consistently for the, the full three years, uh, and there was one that was a, a sporadic add-in later on. I, I don't understand what was happening with the staffing at that point in time, but essentially they said Zach will do it. Um, <laughs> I, I don't know why, but that's okay. Um, ha- had a lovely time there as well. Uh, so uh, again, the academic level was not incredibly high at either of these two schools. There were a couple standout students. Uh, actually, one of them was a, a, a mixed Thai student, uh, and, and and she was brilliant. And <laughs> um, you know, academically inclined and very engaging overall. And uh, I think she felt a little bit lost in the school. But either way, uh, she was there, and I, I don't know the story. But I wish her well, and I hope she's doing well today. Uh, all the students there were, were, were very interested in you uh, as, as a foreign oddity, uh, and they're willing to connect with you with pretty much anything except for the academic subject that you're asked to instruct them in. Uh, so if you wanted to come in and do a science project, they were all all on top of it. If you wanted to come and cook something, great. If you wanted to uh, participate in their school cleanup, if you wanted to play kendo with their librarian as she beat you up with Naginata, they, they would be watching and they would be having a great time. Um, 
you know, play basketball, do marathon day, sports day. They would engage you in any way but academically. Uh, but that's okay uh, because that's, again, one of the principal reasons why you're there as an ALT is that grassroots internationalization. The chances that many of these students are, are going to have international participation or travel later on in the life is relatively slim. Uh, so you are a wonderful view into the world outside of Japan. Uh, but again, in, in retrospect, uh, a lot of these mountain schools speak to my uh, where, where I would actually want to live um, now. Uh, I, I'm not a city boy. Uh, I'm very much a, a, a uh, forest and farm kind of fella. Um, and, and I really enjoyed my time there. Uh, one of the things that would happen every year is that we would have a uh, a rice stock sculpture that we would make and we would spend hours and hours after day, after school um making different braids uh sheets plates uh, of the rice stalks um uh, or or hay stock structure and and every year we would as a school put together a a structure submit it in the local rice stock structure competition and uh you know quite frequently we would win just because we had a team of 30 40 people working on it for a few hours a day every day um and i would spend you know two three four five hours after school every friday when it was the season to do this doing this and they were always shocked that i was willing to spend the time uh but to me, it was it was absolutely wonderful because again, the students would engage you in everything but your English class. Uh, but they would be very happy to show you how to braid this. Or, or uh, you know, since I was there for three years, after three years, I was showing the kids how to braid this or or to make this sheet. Um, and it was just such a wonderful, again, intercultural experience where uh, there was a lot of mutual sharing and a lot of mutual time spent, uh, and it was. It was a mountain school, so a lot of the teachers uh, would bring in, you know, uh, different uh, so, so ho- homemade miso, or they would bring in the fresh uh, bamboo shoots that they had pulled from the forest uh, as part of the outdoor ed class uh, that that week. You know, it was just a lot of things like that that were really really enjoyable and, and that I really connected with, and I think that I was able to provide some value back into the school and to the students uh, while doing that. Oh, and I was actually at that mountain school uh, during the big quake uh, as well. Yeah, tell me about that. That was quite the experience, right? That that was not much fun. Yeah, not not much, not much fun. No, sir. Um, But one one thing that that I think I actually have on video. uh, There was a, a, I guess it was a, a cedar forest, and, and it was. Uh, of course, springtime. Uh, so everyone was already complaining about hay fever and whatnot. Um, but as the quake went, all all of the pollen was being shaken out of the trees. And I, I think oh. I actually took took some video of of one of the uh, the aftershocks, and the wow. amount of pollen being shaken into the air was absolutely insane. Um, so one more thing to make that few weeks just absolutely yeah. terrible. What a um, crazy day, right? That was a crazy day. Absolutely, uh, and crazy day, but but also just a testament to the the, the Japanese spirit and also their their emergency preparedness. Um, 
within the time between when the school was actually finally released uh, or the quake when the school was released i i was on my motorcycle and thank goodness i was because i could filter through traffic um, but many of the bridges between uh that school and my home had either shifted or risen uh you know anywhere from a few inches to a foot uh there were work crews out at almost every one of those every every one of those bridges trying to get it back into serviceable function and a lot of traffic uh, backed up but uh man everyone was just working diligently and immediately to get to solving the problems so it was a uh, you know, a terrible time and we were in that area very fortunate you know very close to fukushima as well uh, but in, in that area very fortunate that uh, the damage that was done was immediately being seen to by so many dedicated professionals uh, just absolutely absolutely inspiring uh, as yes. to what was going on there I would definitely agree. Uh, for me that day, I was in my last period class. And I remember, man, I remember the kids starting to freak out because it was not a normal earthquake, right? I mean, you could feel that. I mean, we must have Pretty had yeah. hundreds of earthquakes while I was there. Mm. And just you could feel the intensity just kept jacking up, 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 yeah. up, up. And the school starts shaking violently and stuff was falling off the shelves. The TV fell off the wall. The kids were all under their desks and, and it felt like forever before that stopped. And, and you were right. It it was amazing how fast the response was to that and how coordinated and determined people were to get things going, get power going and help people that were injured or just just make things work yeah efficient community minded uh the the self defense force was in Ota within within the day and uh, with uh community kitchen setups uh so there was uh you know food water and and supplies being being handed out to anyone who needed it. Uh, of course, there was emergency shelters available to those who needed it or were uh, unhoused because of damage or or, or danger. Um, and within within days uh, as well, there was um, just just so much community support. Actually, to get back to martial arts, I was uh, I was a little stunned the day after, to be to be perfectly frank. And I was uh, out in one of the community open spaces and the, the, the judo instructor uh, from the school who wasn't a teacher, but just a community member, uh, you know, he, he stopped by and he said, you're the, you know, you're, you're the ALT here. Are you know, he, he checked in, made sure, you know, are you okay? Are you well? And then it's like, okay, good. Hop in the car. We're going to go help with this. And just, you know, very organized. And I had actually spent the, the morning uh, helping some of my neighbors uh, shore up their, their, their roofs, uh, making sure the tiles were, were not going to cause any further damage. And, and they were also a little bit surprised that I was helping uh, in, in the community. But, uh, you know, that was, it, it was just such a wonderfully uh, su- bonding and, and kind of cementing opportunity for so many people in the community uh it was not a pleasant experience i i wouldn't wish it on anyone but uh at the same time uh, a lot of resilience in the community and, and in the culture and i will say some of my students actually came to find me at my apartment which is uh incredibly sweet but also yeah, yeah if, if you're living in japan your students are 
probably going to know where you live. And uh, if, if you're Very in a true. smaller, if you're in a smaller community, some of them might come to your balcony and go, are you okay? <laughs> yeah, that's, that's fantastic. And it just shows how much they appreciate you actually being there. And I think some people forget that it's, it's, you know, the bonds that you build with your students are pretty strong. And, and even if you don't realize it, they, they definitely appreciated us there and, and they enjoyed having us in class. And, and, you know, not all of them were excited <laughs> about English. <laughs> what are you but, kidding me? Oh man. It was, it was finding that motivation to get them to spark that interest in them, I think that was the key for me. Well, but yeah, yeah. I it's funny. I had a little group of five or six girls that just I think they just kind of wanted to hang out with me. <laughs> but we formed this sort of English circle. Mm-hmm. And the days that I wasn't doing martial arts, I would, you know, we would hang out. We would talk in English. You know, I would have little activities and things for them to do. And we watched movies and things. And at the end, because my last year was their senior year, mm-hmm. like they they kind of surprised me with a, a mini party. So I I was walking out to my car and they were kind of hiding behind another car and I could see them. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, what what are they doing? What they're, they're so goofy. What are they doing today? So I kind of circled back around like I kind of went past the car and then they thought I was going to like walk out. But then I circled around and tried to surprise them. (laughs) And they had these little like party poppers like you push them and they'd shoot out sparkles and things. And it was was essentially our last day together. So they were trying to surprise me with a party and I kind of ruined it, which I felt really bad after. Uh, But they turned around like, oh, arigato, thank you so much. And and we ended up going out to dinner that night, all of us. So it was was something that I definitely didn't expect and and getting that connection with these kids and and inspiring them to learn English and things. So it it was definitely, you know, kind of blew me away, (laughs) like melted my heart a little bit. Uh, yeah. I don't know how to even really verbalize that, but they were sweet kids and, and I really enjoyed being a part of their learning experience. I, Absolutely. I, yeah. I, I, that's cool that the kids actually came to your apartment. They're like, Sax, and say, are you okay? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, funny that you mentioned that you, you got to go out to dinner with them, uh, during your time, I, I I never went out to dinner or, or anything like that with any of my students while I was was still a jet. But as I've I've come back to Japan a few times since, I, I usually reach out to a few of my students, uh, and and one of them that was in my uh, English club as well, uh, he actually went on to you know, study in France and and, and you know wow. I, he he switched from French to English uh, sorry for, for, from English to French and. Uh, the last two times ago that I was visiting, I, he, he and I went out to uh, to dinner as well. But he, he invited along a friend of his uh, from university. Uh, my student had done st- some study abroad in France and had forgotten all of his English. Uh, and his friend had done uh, an English course and, and was quite... Uh, 
quite well spoken in, in English. So our, our conversation was bilingual French and English with a little bit of Japanese thrown in. Uh, but I was kind of going between the two of them uh, in, in French and English. And uh, the fact that I was able to code switch that quickly uh, absolutely floored them. Uh, but to me, I'm just so shocked that both of them are able to, uh, again, code switch as well between uh, English, French, and Japanese, uh, between the three of us. It was just a, a fantastic thing to see. Uh, and to know that I may have inspired a little bit of that was uh, a little bit interesting. That's One great, more right? Absolutely. One, one yeah. more thing with French, though, and, and you know, if any aspiring ALTs uh, hear this by some stretch of the imagination, um, your teachers are not going to tell you everything. So if you speak a different language, uh, make sure it's broadly known within the school, because on year three, um, one of the math teachers that I had been playing Go with for two and a half years, who you know did his darndest to speak English, he was really quite dedicated. Uh, tur- turns out he speaks French too, and what? turns out, yeah, um, and, and not just a little bit, you know, very really conversation. Well. Con- conversationally fluent, yeah. I, I, I wouldn't ask him to write a, a scientific paper, but yeah, um, much these better than his talents. English. Like, yeah, it, these, these, these hidden talents come out everywhere. So the more that you can get out there and connect with people, the more that you can get your story out. Now, I've heard in your previous episodes talking about uh, you know speaking with office staff and stuff like that. Absolutely. Uh, get your story out. And, and some of the only folks that don't transfer around so much are going to be the office staff and nurse. My, my nurse was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, and, and she was a, ter- a tea ceremony uh aficionado see Um, that's hidden talents man they're all over the place like japanese people just have so many interesting parts them Mm -hmm. and you know that reminds me quickly of one day i came to my desk and there was a not sure what to call it fish it was like a picture of a fish but it was like very detailed like like someone took a one of those very sharp, like a very sharp knife and cut out a very detailed picture of a fish, like different parts of that fish and like glued them onto this paper. It was a really amazing piece of artwork. And I was given that as a gift. And again, it was like a hidden talent. It was my Kyoto Sensei. And the man never talked to me. And all of a sudden, you know, he's giving me a small little present like that. That, that was fantastic. So, and, and we became friends after that. Like we chatted a lot and he had, like he loved curry, went to India, learned how to make curry and gave me all these recipes for curry Ooh. and brought me spices and things like, yeah, you got to connect with people and, and they're not always... Japanese people are so shy, right? Well, people all over are a little bit interesting, aren't they? Yeah. 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 And just just making that connection with them, they might be shy at first, but once they open up, then I felt like you made that good connection. You were able to find out all kinds of interesting things about people you worked with. Absolutely. You know, e- even if it's just, you know, demonstrating your appreciation for homemade miso, well, all, all of a sudden your desk is going to have, you know, you know, this person's dollop of homemade miso and that person's dollop of homemade miso. And now, now I've got some above my fridge that I've made myself that I hand out quite liberally. So yeah. it's, uh, it, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. And uh, yeah, any, anytime you have the opportunity to, to try to reach out and make that connection or to demonstrate some, some interest. One 
Japanese proverb that comes up is that you know if you chase two rabbits, you catch none. Um, and, and that's a thing with that comes up within kendo a little bit too frequently. And, and while I was in Japan, people were always a little bit impressed that I could do a little bit of everything. Uh, I go camping. I like cooking. I like kendo. I like uh, music. I, I even played saxophone with the school band a few times. Wow, Ooh, that's cool. What, what a multi-talented person. But at the same time, so many teachers and colleagues, okay, well, there was this one person that did tea ceremony, one person that does, uh, you know, uh, go and, and, and shogi at a high level. Uh, there's there's another teacher that does uh, you know, hunting and, and, and food preparation. And in Japan, that's that's unheard of. Um, so you're, you're going to be working with uh, or, or connected to people that do so many different things. Uh, and if you can just get that word out, it's really going to make your experience absolutely wonderful. It's, it's interesting you mentioned second languages, and it's cool that you had so many people that spoke French. For me, well, let's you know two two to three, two to <laughs> yeah, two to three. That that's good though. That's that's good, man. For me, I speak Polish, and my mom's from Poland, so I I grew up speaking Polish, and I basically practiced on my own, and I feel like my command of Polish is very good. I can understand political stuff on YouTube. And, uh, you know, I try to read books and things in Polish so and watch movies and, and, you know, keep up that language ability. And in Japan, I was kind of like, I need to speak Polish at some point. I did let that be known in my kids, with my kids. And I, I did teach them a bit of Polish here and there and stuff because they were very curious. Mm-hmm. But I ended up going down to Tokyo and I found a, a small Polish restaurant. And the guy that ran this place, his name is Romeg. And the guy was hilarious. He he loved martial arts like us and moved to Japan in the 80s when things were, you know, crazy for martial arts. There's this big explosion of, you know, just like in the U.S. and Canada and everywhere. And I felt like the dojos are way more full back then. But... You know, this guy showed up and never left. Married a Japanese girl. So I would go there and have some pierogies, a little vodka with him. We'd hang out. He'd, he'd actually make stuff for me because he knew I was coming. He's like, are oh, you coming next week? I'll make you some galumpkis. We'll hang out. And the girl that he hired as a waitress was in her... She's maybe in her early 20s. She's in school in Tokyo University of foreign language and she was studying Polish and her Polish was amazing. She like lived in Poland for a year and we used to chit chat and stuff all the time. So we became really good friends, but you just, I thought it was amazing that you could find all these interesting people and language ability. You know, you, if you hunted for it, you could find it in Japan yeah, that, that was cool. Yeah, it, it is. It is a monoculture that is looking for so much more. Right there, there, yeah. there's so much within Japanese culture itself, and there's such depth and breadth there. Uh, but at the same time, there's so much desire and thirst for 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 internationalization and, and intercultural experiences. Uh, and if you can bring that to the table, uh, and also make what you're interested in known and what you can offer uh, known, it's it's going to be. Uh, to your best benefit. Definitely. Now, so I make glumki from time to time as well, but uh, yeah. uh, there's like, Jap- Japanese cabbage rolls. Just it, I don't know. Like if if I make it, 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 you know, if I make my grandma's recipe, it's 
you know, my, my wife says it's not quite Japanese enough, but that's because it's Polish. So, you know, that's right. <laughs> I feel like a lot of Polish food for my wife, she likes a lot of Polish food. It's, it's kind of similar. It's got rice in it or, or different things that, that she, she enjoys. So it's kind of an easy transition for her into <laughs> my family. I felt like, ah, see, cause I, I made, I, I, you know, I make, Pumpkin from time to time, and then she said, "Well, there's there's rice inside." It's like, "Well, yeah, there's there's rice and, and pork and this and this and this, but I need more rice." Oh. Yeah, more rice. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you can have rice in the I side. It's fine. Ah, yeah. well. Now you're 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 quite the cook. You you uh, you always have some different things. Have you have you been able to incorporate, or were you able to incorporate that in Japan at all? Or yes, yeah. Every once in a while, I threw a cooking class for the students that we meet after school and people would sign up mm-hmm. and oh, I, okay. yeah, I, I had a pretty good following of kids and that was in my primarily girls school. It was a Koga second high school. It, it was like 80 or 90% girls. Hmm. So I don't know if that made a difference. I tried it in other schools, and, but that seemed to be the one that I had the most kids in. So I, I would have 20, 25 kids sign up. The cooking room was full. <laughs> well, that's brilliant. Yeah. yeah. I, 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 the, the home ec teacher kind of took a little bit of an interest in me after, after a couple of my, uh, my, my cooking lessons as well. I, I think not because I was cooking, you know, not Japanese things, but because I, I, I had some nice knife skills uh, and, and I was in, insisting that the kids, you know, used proper knife technique as opposed to just kind of hacking at things uh, because that's what they wanted to do. And I think they were going to, you know, chop a finger off. Uh, but, uh, you know, you know cer- certain things translate, you know, knife, knife safety being pretty international, we'll say, don't, don't stick yourself with a pointy end. Um, and uh, I, I think there was some, some interesting, well, at least there was some interest there just because she saw that, okay, well, here's this fellow from Canada who is here and, oh, he, he can cook. Well, that's interesting. And, and she, since I was able to demonstrate that as part of my own kind of English club cultural exchange things, uh, she actually had me in for a few different uh, just regular here are our civics and 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 uh, uh, home ec classes, and that was a lot of fun as well. And, and that was not a, a a teacher that had a lot of uh, English ability as as well. She she just recognized, okay, this is someone who has some acumen in the chill in the kitchen. Uh, so let's let's haul him in and uh, have him do something in the regular old home ed class. And that went really, really well. Again, the, just the intercultural aspect of, of jet is just so wonderful, such a powerful tool. And I know there's a lot of, uh, well, there's a lot of not a lot of is not the right word. Um, there are individuals out there that will debate the value of the jet program, uh, in terms of English proficiency, proficiency and, 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 you know, the, the transmission of the language. But that's really not the whole point of it. It's it's intercultural uh, intercultural exposure as well as kind of that that creation of of soft political power, a lot of goodwill, uh, not only to expose some Japanese citizenry to international uh, people, but also to have those people like you and I that that have gone there, that have had our positive experiences, and that are you know we'll say fans of Japan. And, and now you 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 come through here and you create a podcast about. Uh, 
about experiences and, and hopefully that will grow into more positive things as well. So it's just such a wonderful program and an opportunity. Yeah. Well, I think people sort of get wrapped up in their English teachers. They're in the classroom and teaching and having the, you know, as a teacher in the United States, there's always this pressure of charting progress and, and categorizing everyone. And, you know, are they going to pass this exam or not? I think people forget about that whole international grassroots aspect of JET and you know, exposing kids to different ideas or different people that they would just never meet in their life. And a, a Aritoshi Sensei, one of my my supervisors for three years, when I first came to Japan, my first three years, we were driving somewhere. I can't remember where right now, but I do remember our conversation very well. And I was like, you know, oh, I don't, I don't know what I'm doing wrong. I think the kids hate me or something. Like they just don't like my English lessons. You know, what can I do to improve? And we would have these powwows every once in a while. He said, you know, Mike, keep doing what you're doing. You're doing a great job, and it's it's not necessarily you. Or what you're teaching, it's it's them finding the interest in English. You might be the only foreigner in their entire life that they ever interact with on any sort of real basis. And it's it's not so much of them passing all their exams in English with 100% score or completing every single assignment that you give them. But it's, it's all about making that connection with the kids and having them get that experience that they would never necessarily get if you weren't. I, I don't know how you feel about that. I mean, it's, it's, that was powerful to me. And that really kind of made me think differently about how I was teaching and what I was teaching and, you know, made me feel a lot better about my experiences in the classroom and, and just chat in general. Uh, absolutely. You know, we're, we're for, for those of us with any type of teaching background, uh, we're, we're thinking about, you know, how can we involve the pedagogy? How can we push this forward? How can we inspire? Um, but a big part of the Jet program is just that you know okay well you're you're working with a student who is in in a school in the mountains uh, that's going to be closed and they're they're quite unlikely to move to a metropolitan area in Japan never mind you know working with someone internationally uh, so you are there to provide that that uh, initial experience and if you can find that or if you can make that connection and make it inspiring in any way shape or form that's that's wonderful you know that that could be as simple as you know, being interested in the way they stack the logs to harvest uh, uh, shiitake, uh, you know, in the farm next door, or, or that can be interested in uh, you know, participating in their sports day in, in earnest, or whatever it happens to be. Interested, it is interested is interesting. So, uh, if you can be involved in in their reality in any way shape or form that's that's a, a wonderful thing and, and again i i'm country boy so it's it's not a challenge for me to be interested in how to stack logs for the best type of shiitake propagation uh but uh, f for for someone who is you know better suited to be in to metro tokyo that you know I, I can understand that would be a stretch but again try, try to find your interest try to find that um, that parallel and even if it's something oh, artistic or artisanal or, or cultural, I'm certain that there will be a link that you can make beyond the uh, the, the, the English textbooks uh, or the, the lesson itself. 
but but that also you know you, you do have to take a step back and say well where's the professionalism within the classroom can you provide some uh, some pedagogical link I, I I know that uh, one time when I went back for vacation uh, I was able to stay with uh, a previous colleague of mine and uh, he had been promoted to uh, Kyoto Sensei with with a different school and he said well you know what what are you doing on on Tuesday and I said well I'm I'm at your house and and then I'm gonna go and do whatever so what am I doing on Tuesday he said well you're coming to teach again on Tuesday I said okay well I guess I'm a, an ALT again and uh, you know I, I sat down with the, uh, the, the the Japanese teachers of English of that school and uh, their ALT had never discussed pedagogy or or how to link what they were going to do with uh, the, the textbook and grammatical uh, expectations of the week. So, you know, the cultural aspect is certainly important as well, but even at a mountain school, uh, trying to reinforce what the JTE has been trying to pound into them all week is super important. And it's it's, it's not not... It's not unachievable. If you look at what their lessons have been for the week, and if you can understand the grammatical structures and break it down and use it within the cultural context of what you're going to be doing that week, it's absolutely possible. So even though I was only there for a day, I was able to reinforce and I was able to reinforce and, and kind of energize the grammatical structures that they've been trying to use with the students all week. Uh, and while I get to say that with a big head that comes with a bit of experience, um, it is absolutely accessible to, to everyone. So hopefully p- participants will kind of take it from, from both angles, both the professionalism within the classroom as well as the uh, cultural aspects as well. I totally agree with that. There's there's always room to not only teach a cultural lesson, but integrate what they've been learning grammatically into that lesson also and and having them see that connection is is definitely valuable and a lot of students you know i i saw the light bulb go off your head say oh you know i learned all that grammar and now we're actually applying that to speaking activities or you know interactive activities that i had planned and that was by design on my part and taking that extra step definitely it makes the information more concrete for them and I think that gives a, a little bit more of a, a stronger argument for JET or, or for what you're doing. So I, it's it's an important aspect of, of teaching there. And I think I, I agree with you. It comes with time. It comes with a little bit of experience. And even if you're not a seasoned teacher or, or were in a teaching profession prior to JET, it's not brain surgery. It, it just it takes a little bit of effort and communication <laughs> with, with your JTEs. So. Well, with my- but it's doable. Yeah. Uh, absolutely, and uh, you know, with that particular situation in mind, the, you know, the JTE looked at me like I had six heads because it was the first time that I had tried, or it, it's the first time that he had seen an ALT try to link, you know, the the one-off example back to pedagogy and back to their grammatical lessons. And I understand that grammatical lessons are not the most exciting. I am a student of the Japanese language, and I do not find the grammatical lessons all that exciting uh it, it's it, it's a grind uh but if you can make those links it makes it far more palatable uh and if we're reaching out to those potential future jets at all uh you know the way that you might bring some value back is is to pay attention to what your J, uh, jtes are trying to, to 
teach and you, you don't have to teach the test. You don't have to teach the textbook, but if you can reinforce and, and, and help people see the value and links between what's being taught and what the real speaking world uses, that's going to be of, of big value to a lot of students. Yes, definitely. Yeah, that's that's a great bit of info. And I wish I had that a little bit earlier in my jet experience. Like before I came to Japan, it would have saved me a little bit more of kind of like, you know, I'm a perfectionist at heart. And I think that makes me good at Budo. <laughs> we want to bring that back to martial arts because I'm persistent. I won't give up. It has to be as perfect as possible to me. So <laughs> to meet my standards you know that kata has to be just right i will not you know i'll practice it a hundred times if i have to whatever it takes and and teaching is was i approach teaching that way also so everybody's got their own thing that that was kind of me oh that that um, that that's a you know another path to sadism in there mike you know yes the... it is i'm a sadist damn it yeah. <laughs> unfortunately not not all of your students may be so uh that's true uh... True. So I have to dial it back a little bit sometimes. <laughs> a challenge, um, challenging path to walk. Now, you know. I, I, I understand over the past few years, you know, teaching has been something you've had had a bit of a, a an on and off relationship with. Uh, I have. Uh, any <laughs> any Lord. any thoughts about returning to Japan? You know, that's interesting because that was in my mind. I was going to ask you that question about staying in Japan. Like, why did you stay in Japan? But uh, I'll take that question. I would love to go back to Japan. You know, my folks are, are getting older, like they're in their eighties, seventies, and eighties, and that's really what brought me back was family. And I, I wanted to stay longer, but, you know, it was important for me to come back and then to be able to help my folks with things. And that was that was what brought me back. And interestingly enough, I, I didn't really seriously date in Japan. So my wife came after I came home, really. I, uh, yeah, I, I remember sending you a message about that mm -hmm. after you were, well, very recently after you were married, uh, yeah. saying... Eh? <laughs> <laughs> like uh so we, we were pretty good friends for about a year year and a half before i came home and and she was from kyoto so i was in ibaraki it was kind of you know a distance bit of a distance yes indeed. yeah so we met in kyoto in kyoto at a guest house no i'm sorry <clears throat> osaka correction osaka and it was called the Bonsai Guest House. And I used to stay there. I, I had martial arts friends in the area and people I met at Kokusai Budo Daigaku. So everything's kind of interconnected with martial arts for me <laughs> a lot of ways. So I met these group of foreigners doing judo. And I also had a kendo connection later in Kyoto. And I would go there and train hard. And I would stay at a guest house and made friends with the girl at the desk. Very nice girl. And she... Actually, this is another connection with food, too, is I made taco rice. So Okinawan taco rice. <laughs> and we had things we, we cooked up. So we had kind of an international party. So four or five people came and my wife was one of them and kind of hit it off. And at the time, you know, we were just friends and, and kind of kept that connection going. So when I was in town, I would hang out with her. We'd go see a movie you know, whatever it was. And when I came home, I invited her to America. I was like, well, why don't you come visit me? And things kind of heated up from there. And she ended up moving to New York with me. So I was, I was very lucky she made that jump. 
She had never been in the U.S. before visiting me. So there's a bit of bravery, insanity, I'm not sure, <laughs> you know, coming over to a completely new culture. And, mm-hmm. and luckily for me, she spoke English fairly well. So before she even came here, so she loved to travel. And I think that adventure aspects brought her here, along with me, of course. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah. for me, we, we've talked about moving back to Japan in the future. And I think that would definitely be a possibility. I mean, how about you? Have, have like your wife, where was she from in Japan? Uh, born in Fukuoka area. Um, Fukuoka. Well, a little bit further north than that. Um, Ube. And uh, she's her, her parents are in Joshi. Uh, they still are. And she grew up in Joshi. Um in Chiba Prefecture, and ironically, she went through high school uh, in in Waterloo, um, oh. which is in, in in here in Ontario. And uh, really, wow, yeah. Uh, and I also work for the University of Waterloo. So, uh, uh, though I, I I don't live nor work on campus, uh, so um, when I got the job at Waterloo Post Jet, um, she was a little bit surprised and a little bit. We'll say trepidatious that I was going to be working for Waterloo only only because she had again spent all of her high school years there. So she was thinking, "Am I really going back to Waterloo?" Um, That's but, amazing. Uh, and she says hi, by the way. Oh, great! Uh, <laughs> Please tell her I said hi. <laughs> she's she's lovely. You told me, son. So that's that's amazing. What what? So a lot of jets have stayed. Especially in our group, I was surprised how many stayed in Japan. And well, what yeah, brought you back to Canada. Uh, well, yeah. in Canada, I am a multilingual, educated professional, and in okay. Japan, I am illiterate, and uh, <laughs> that makes a very big difference when it comes yeah. to employment. Uh, so, yeah, in, in Canada, I, I professionally bilingual in French and English, and I do have a very basic understanding of Japanese, uh, but, uh, you know, I'm, we'll say I'm marketable here. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I've, I've been very, very fortunate to have been working for the University of Waterloo for the past 11 years. Uh, it's been a wonderful run. They're a wonderful school. I, I enjoy my work. I work with incredibly talented uh, students. And my, my colleagues are exceptional, and the program that we work within uh, is is world-class, really is. Um, in, in, in Japan, I have much less to offer. Um, Gotcha. I, I make an excellent ALT, I would say, uh, but um, my, my Japanese level is such that I am not functional within a business context uh, and would have little to offer. Though, that said, with, with housing prices as they are these days, I'm ever so tempted to sell my house here and, and, and reinvest the money into a farm somewhere in temperate Japan and uh, uh, just uh, you know, farm. <laughs> Um, that sounds great it it absolutely does Um, the golden handcuffs are on far too tight here though so uh, I will I will stick where I am Uh, and it's it's just uh, yeah I I would love to to do so many things in Japan or in Canada, but uh, I, I just, uh, if you're familiar with the golden handcuffs, I don't know if it's a more global saying or if it was my, just my dad's thing, uh, but I, you know, my, my employer is wonderful, my job is fantastic, and uh, and I, I'm, I'm sufficiently well compensated that I, I don't want to go anywhere uh, or, or I'm, uncom- I'm uncomfortable going <laughs> anywhere, which is probably all the more cruel. Uh, but no, I, I would absolutely love to go back to Japan. It's a, a wonderful space. Um, 
and, and my ideal would be somehow that I can manage to bounce back between the two, but uh, that's that's not a realistic solution. Um, so I will I will remain here in the Ottawa area. Man, well, well, I'll have to come out there and we'll do some kendo sometimes. That'd be awesome. Well, you are very, very welcome. Yes, we're we're always happy to receive guests, so it's always a pleasure. Awesome. Well, Zach, our time is almost up. And okay. I have a million things I would love to continue talking with you about, but okay. sadly, this podcast is only two hours. We're going to have to have you come on again. As a, as a special guest for part two, <laughs> Zach part two. Okay. But any last thoughts about JET program, training martial arts in Japan, uh, anything at all? Any any nuggets of wisdom? That you nuggets of wisdom. Um, JET, uh, if I can do it again right now, I would. Uh, if you're considering it right now, please sign up. Um it's a wonderful community to be a part of, both while you're there and after the fact. Um, post Jet, I, I have been involved with Jet AA here in Ottawa and in Canada uh, generally, um, both at a kind of organizational level, but also as a general participant. Uh, it's been a wonderful network to be a part of, uh, both during and after. Um, there's a lot of support before you go to Japan. There's a lot of support in Japan. And once you've come back, you get to be senpai to a lot of people, which has mm-hmm. been uh, a wonderful experience for myself as well. Uh, and, and fortunately enough, I've had a, a few people from Ottawa who have gone to Ibaraki and come back and wow. who are who are wonderfully close uh, friends at this point in time as well. So please, if you're considering it, sign up. Um, and in terms of martial arts, if, if you're on jet, take absolute advantage uh, and um, be prepared to be torn down. And the people who tear you down are the best mentors you can ask for. The people who you will uh, have some honest feedback with are trying to do you the biggest favor they possibly can by trying to make you a better person. Uh, so if they're giving you something rough, and if it's not making you feel happy every time, that's fine. Keep going. Uh, they're trying to help you. I totally agree. Have that beginner's mentality. And no matter what skill level you're at, humble yourself and you'll come out a much better martial artist. Mm-hmm. You're, you're going to follow that Buddha way and you will get a positive experience out of that. So I totally agree on that. And I, I could talk another 30 minutes about that. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. So, fantastic. Zach, thank you so much for coming on to the podcast. I'm sure that Lee, this will help a lot of folks out there if they're interested in martial arts, that Japan and the JET program especially have so much to offer. You, you will, chances are, have the ability to train every day. And that's something unique that, that not a lot of people get and having exposure to high level instructors on a daily basis is, is just phenomenal. So please, if you're interested in martial arts and jet, they're, they're a good combination. And Oh yes. And that's all I got to say. Yeah. So folks, thank you very much. People aren't seeing the video, but I'm, I'm nodding quite emphatically on this mm. one. Yeah. It's just such a wonderful opportunity. So if you, if you're looking to train, please go yes okay all right well thank you very much and i look forward to possibly having part two all right sounds good mike take care